Yes. Nothing was going to happen. What's that? Nothing. I'm looking. I'm watching the video. Of. Um. One. One big semi truck being over its side on a windy highway, and another one driving slowly past it, getting blown over, and landing right in the in the little spoon position of the big one. <laughs> I mean, that's how like uh, SUVs are made, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Did you say SUVs? I did. <laughs> there you go. I did. I did see a video. Or a well, post there's our today. opening. Yeah. Snafu. Situation normal. All, all fouled up. This is Snafu. All right, welcome to another episode of Snafu. I'm Rick. Hey, Rick. Say hi, Rick. Hi, hi, Rick. hi, Rick. Say hi, Rick. hi, Dale. Hey, Dale. Jeff? Jeff. Yo, Jeff. <laughs> Pat? Good evening, everybody. Or morning or afternoon or whatever you're listening, I guess. Hey, folks. Hi. Welcome to another episode, episode 52. Uh, we're going to do a bunch of cool stuff. We're going to talk about some stuff that Pat is instigating, dragging us along for the ride. Um, <laughs> well, it's the only way you guys will do anything. <laughs> it seems to be there. the case sometimes. Ambition is a thing that some of us might be lacking at this point. Um, and then in the second half, we'll talk with Brad from Cast Ice, uh, Warlord. and oh, About every episode, every podcast you've ever heard of about Bolt Action that's not Snafu or Juggernaut is probably Brad. Uh, might be I one or two more now. Bacon Burgers, maybe. Yeah, I think he even had a role in that. We'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll hear about that later. Yeah. Uh, so let's start with hobby stuff. Uh, Dale, have you been working on anything? Or have you just uh, been playing WoW? No. <laughs> no, well. The I'm WoW sinkhole. Well, I mean, I'm I'm beta testing for them. Yeah, so I can't believe it's like, like, like thousands of other people. I'm not special in that regard. Mm, um, it's still pretty cool. But um, I actually discovered another game, Crusader Kings. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, I, I keep seeing Dale is playing Crusader Kings. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something else, so I'm, I'm trying to... It's nice that Steam um, turns you in. I'm trying to yeah, right. uh, unite Ireland right now, so... Okay. Uh, Do you yeah. bring a lot of alcohol? Potatoes uh, well, and alcohol? War seems to be <laughs> the only thing <laughs> I've been able to figure out. I'm not good at nuance, apparently, in this game, but I'm just learning. So okay. um, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I think this game favors war for some reason, but... The, um, but besides besides that, um, let's see. It's been a while since we did it, so I finished painting that one Necron guy, and he turned out pretty sweet. Yeah, he's pretty sweet. And then um, I did some digital gaming with TTS, played a game of Bolt Action. So I'm sure we will talk that about that in a little bit. Yeah. So, but beyond that, uh, it's been pretty quiet. I was I was on vacation for about a week, and it's just. You know, just trying to figure out how to get back into things again. So, but that's yeah. it for me. Sweet. All right. Uh, me, I'm next on the agenda. Shit. Um, <laughs> I didn't finish my homework, teacher. Can I go last? <laughs> <laughs> well, last time you were talking about building your building I'm your hobby station. Still, still working on it. I've actually got it in my basement. I'm sitting in a uh, 
well, in an empty space right now. It is the it, we are at a blank chalk or a blank canvas right now. So I got a I've got a pile of studs next to me, and that's where I'm at. So I'm doing I'm building like real terrain, like one to one scale terrain right now. That's where that's what my brain is on right now. Unfortunately, is it, I'm so is it bolt action related? Yeah, last time I ended up by a pile of studs, it was a bachelorette party. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, no, it probably will not be like a ruined uh, Stalingrad board or anything. It'll actually be like fresh drywall and like clean. Not going to try and make it look old and beat up already. <laughs> kind of kind of screws up the resale value of the house. Uh, so yeah, no, that's what I'm working on. How about you, Pat? Uh, I, I think I've got both you guys beat. I got about 40 Marines painted, and I'm working on their bases. Nice. Um, and I'm gonna get I'm gonna get a little shame on this one because I've been using contrast paints, <gasps> and I don't hate them. Why would you get shame from anyone here? Because he used to rail against contrast paints. Yeah, I'm, you did. I did pretty hard. Oh, okay. I didn't like them. I but, forgot that you railed on him. You shouldn't have said anything. Yeah, well, someone would have come. Someone would have caught it and yelled at you on Facebook. I'm, I'm sure glad they've worked out for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In this instance, they did, and I, I don't. They look done, which is in the first. Good. Wait, in the first instance, wasn't it also Marines? It was. Okay. And so it, it has been some time where they sat on the shelf, and I, I, I want to say it was nine months. No, it was back in. Yeah, a while ago it had been November, December when we dropped. I dropped them for doing WTC stuff, and I stopped painting the Marines and had to switch over to the Brits because we had this grandiose idea that the world is going to be fine and we're going to go to Ireland and play in the WTC. Dude, we didn't know. Like, it, <laughs> there wasn't a virus when we bought plane tickets and stuff. Right. Like, when we started all this stuff, that still didn't have my refund, by the way. Yeah, Aer uh, Lingus, if you're listening. Which you're not listening to this, but you know, uh, you can try to figure comes, out our refunds. If great. the worst that comes out of this is that I'm out of plane ticket, then I think I'm okay. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot worse things that could go. We could have gotten stranded over there for crying out loud. You yeah. could still be there because right. you couldn't come back to the states. That'd be hilarious. Wow. Uh, yeah, that would suck. Other than my family being here, I think we overall would be healthier. But <laughs> um, good point. Got to live though, man. You'd be working on a potato farm as a day laborer. I'd be herding sheep. <laughs> with yeah. no marketable talent, I would no, no. probably be. You've got a marketable talent, Rick. You'd be brewing something. Yeah, oh, good point. <laughs> brewing. Yeah, I could be distilling or brewing. Either one, I'll take it. Yep. I'd be an apprentice falconer. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, be the, I'd be the guy holding the bait for the falcon to come in. <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> I, I believe that is the apprentice, actually. I, that probably <laughs> is what I would be doing. Yeah. Run, Pat. It's on your head. Run. <laughs> um, I'm sorry to all the Irish people out there. We're really stereotyping your country. It's we we really like you. We make up our own holiday based on your country. So right? Yeah. Good. Right. Exactly. Uh, hey, that that would be my patron saint. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Just like Cinco de Mayo. We... Even though he wasn't Irish. Oh well, there you go. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, anyway, yeah. So I've got about forty Marines painted and ready to go. Put them on some bases. Uh, my 3D printer's just been running awesome and nonstop since I'm working from home about 15 feet away from it. I uh, got my airfield completely printed out, so the, the new update to the airfield board, um, all that designed by me and printed out and is now nice. together and starting to be nice. painted. Um, that's just kind of like a, in, in the meat, in the in between filler because I've also got the Pacific board and putting some finishing touches on. 
I've got almost all of it done and I'm working on a couple of bunkers that I really want to be the centerpieces in about three buildings that uh, I'm going to spend a little more extra time on. And because I still have the 3D printer and it currently didn't have any projects, I figured I'd start printing another board. Mm -hmm. And someone said, I, I found out, I found this, uh, so Dewey Cat has this armored train and he's got a regular passenger train and tracks and everything. Um, awesome kit, by the way. Of course, it's Dewey Cat, so... So I started printing just a ridiculous amount of trains and tracks, and, and I'm going to try to do one of those train yard boards. Nice. Cool. So that's going to be printing. That's probably about three weeks worth of printing before that's all said and done. Just if you guys ever run out of things to print, I can give you things to print. Well, I With found, <laughs> finally, someone led me into a print of the uh, the rocket truck, the harvester from oh. uh, Mariana. Mm. Nice. Uh, unfortunately, the file, at least in my slicer, has got it is not manifolded, which means it will not print correctly. So I sent that off to Dewey Cat in the hopes that he'll be able to patch it up because he's well, done that'd be nice if he can. So, hmm. Mark, if you're listening, check your email. Please right? help. Please, <laughs> please help. I know Jeff wants one too. I, I, I absolutely who, do. Who doesn't want a rocket truck? I, I want two, actually. I want a real life rocket truck. That'd be cool. I mean, you could make yeah. them like a potato gun truck. <laughs> Can you imagine having 40 potato guns on top of your car? Uh, it'd be fun, but probably get you in a lot of trouble. So don't do well, that. Well, you can probably there. find the potatoes. I mean, restaurants haven't been using them. so Right? You know. Oh, I I know where to get the potatoes. Like, I, I can get into a restaurant supply store, no problem, and buy... You know, you know a guy? 100 pounds, of, a guy. 100 pounds of potatoes if I wanted to, but th that you know, still doesn't get around the legalities of it, shooting potatoes at people. If you're concerned about that part, you know, you just... Uh, Build one of those giant T-shirt Gatling guns that the professional basketball teams have. You ever seen one of those? The Gatling? I haven't seen the Gatling. Yeah, uh, yeah, the Milwaukee Bucks had one. It was like 15 barrels, and the mascot just turned a crank like an old, <laughs> like an old Gatling gun, and it just bam, 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 and shoot those shirts out. Uh, there you go. I, I wanted one pretty bad, but it's a little beyond my technical know-how. You wanted a shirt? Yeah, I mean that's no. I wanted the gun. Are you kidding? Me? <laughs> Forget the shirt. Give me the gun, I man. Want the shirt, yeah. <laughs> Shirts are always, like, medium size anyway. What am I going to do? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Big man away. in a little shirt? <laughs> yeah, I can't even get it over my head. <laughs> well, so that's, 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 the thing. That's, that's the current hobby I got. The, Pat, uh, can I follow up on your hobby thing one time? What changed your opinion on the contrast paints? Uh, so they sat for a while, and then I picked them back up, and I, I sent some pics out to the, the club, and everyone's like, yeah, it looks really good. And I'm like, it looks really done. And it was like fast. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a whole I mean, idea, still, right? Well, and so before it was base coat wash, highlight, 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 detail, then go. Mm -hmm. But it seems to have taken out the base coat wash and the first level of highlights are all mm -hmm. in one step. And it's not the exact mm -hmm. coloring I would want for it, but it's mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. You can definitely mix those, I hear, too. So if you like don't yes. quite like the color... You're like, oh, it's a little too blue. I'll just add a little yellow. I got get 40 like... of them. I like the color. <laughs> nice. Okay. And uh, I mean, some someday mix... soon I'll have another another box of Marines coming with my uh, Mariana pre-orders. So. Yep. Mixing slows it down, and it also gets... So you're losing the time benefit, and it can be hard to replicate those mixes. As so say, if you say, oh, yeah. Dude, If you're I'm painting saying... 40 more Marines, and you can just take the four colors out of the pot, then... You yeah, yeah, brilliant, dude. I'm I'm not suggesting you mix every time on the fly. You mix a pot of it. 
that's how I've done all my other all my other like pseudo contrast paints before they were they existed. You know, my mm-hmm. hipster contrast paints. Mm-hmm. Uh, hipster contrast I would paints. I would mix an entire dropper bottle of it. I would not mix it like. If I ever need to paint Marines again, I go grab my Marine bottles that I have still sitting out. Like, or they're not sitting out, but you know what I'm saying. Like, I don't, I would never yep. suggest trying to mix, you know, two drops of this one, one drop of this one every time you needed to do it. The 50 50, 60 40, 70 30. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't try and remix them because you'll never get them the same. Although that's okay with, I think that's actually okay with World War II stuff in some regard too. Is right, right. stuff, stuff fades different. so much. Yep, I yeah. say a different level of fade or different level of yep. mud. Yep, mm-hmm. or even different, you know, different. Not all, not all greens were made the same. No, yeah. <clears throat> well, there's that German. Yeah, there's the famous German meme that goes around in bolt action once a month or once a week or whatever. Yeah, about all the that? different field, German field greys, the field gray, and how many different versions of field gray there are. Oh. Yeah. Like there's like literally, I think they have 20 examples of different colors that the Germans wore at one point yeah, or it's another. It's all it's all field gray uniform, but it's yeah. 20 different shades and quite quite different to us. Not they're not even really close from the first to the last. No, like you, yeah, none of them even look close to each other. All right, well that's that's, that's uh, what I got. That sounds exhausting, Pat. Uh, <laughs> Jeff, <laughs> can you beat that? <laughs> Uh, I don't know that I can beat it, but I can I can try. You, you can join it. All right. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, did more work on my my new Italian army. Picked up a couple uh, vehicle pieces for it and printed Ooh. one too. Sweet. Um, I have not finished them yet because I really wanted to have a, a special character for uh, for the leader, and sure. I had to mail order him, and he did finally show up. So I get to work in earnest on finishing painting all of them now. Jeez. Cool. Uh, I I didn't want you know how it is like you're. I kind of want to have all my stuff in front of me when I start painting because it just kind of goes. Sure. And so I do sometimes mix paints and I'll never get the same shade again. And these guys, I kind of want to look the same. So okay. Do you, have, do you already have a list set up? Oh yeah, I I wrote the list like a year ago. How many points? Uh, I wrote it for a thousand. Okay. And then I have an alternate that's twelve fifty. Okay. So do you the have a seven fifty po- version. I don't have a seven fifty vision yet, but I could pretty quickly. Okay. But yeah, the thousands written as a pure infantry list, the extra two fifty is vehicles. Nice. Mm-hmm. So it's it's pretty easy to make the make the swap on. Cool. So that was the main part of what I've been doing. And then my three D printer has also been going close to nonstop. Um I had a I had this European board I was doing. It was, you know, fairly close to being done. But at the end of the day I just wasn't happy with how it was looking. And then I got distracted on another project, and I, was, I started watching some documentaries about the Pacific War, and I decided I really, really wanted to do a Manila board. And so I repurposed a few of those European buildings for that, because pre-World War II, they had a lot of European architecture there. Uh, In Japan? All, uh, Manila. Manila. Philippines. Manila, okay. okay. Yeah, not, before, not vanilla. Not vanilla. Yeah. Manila, yeah. Before it Millie, got completely Millie flattened in the war. But, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't and think you can lip, lip, lip sync on a radio. I mean, sure you can. <laughs> you just no to know, right? <laughs> I've been lip syncing this entire episode. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I've got this thing where I like doing boards from places I've been. and Sure. No, that's cool. I've been that's... nowhere, so I have to go with my own imagination. <laughs> you were almost in Ireland. Yeah, that right, would have been an interesting board to... Pert near. Man, wish we could have spent the night in that castle. It's so cool. <laughs> you might still get to. Might There's still, still to. an opportunity. It might be a little bit crappier weather. Unfortunately, yeah. we'll see. We'll see. You get that authentic uh, UK experience then, though. 
Like just well, well I, I guess Ireland experience. That it? also yeah. means someone let us out of our country. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. as, as funny as it is, I'm seeing advertisements for Ireland flying out of Chicago, New York, and Boston. I'm like, what are you doing? You can't even fly there yet. Okay, anyway, moving right along. Yeah. Uh, so the next thing we're going to talk about, Dale kind of alluded to, and this is something that I think is really awesome that I think Pat, I think Pat and John Russell had something to do with. Um, and it, it, it's probably been the highlight of my year so far as far as uh, bolt action related content is. Uh, Dale, who did you get to play in uh, Tabletop Simulator the other day? We played Alessio Capitor, um, that's in Tabletop Simulator. That's super awesome. Um, it was yeah, it was cool. It was really cool. So I think I think the the, the rundown on it is that Alessio kind of wanted to get a feel for it. he he was familiar with Tabletop Simulator. He wanted to yep. get a feel for how bolt action worked in t- Tabletop Simulator, and John connected the dots and said, you know, no one better than Snafu guys to give you a rundown because. Yeah, in, in all fairness, he he did have tabletop simulator, and they use it for some of their play testing when yep. they're when they're working on rules for their game, stuff like that. So he yep. he knew about how to use it and move pieces around, but he, um, you know, as, as this whole thing, I think what really scared them was when Blood Red Skies started asking for specific PDF information that they could then put into, and that was the mm. that was the lead pursuit guys that they could then put into their tabletop simulator, mm-hmm. and they're like, we don't want to give you all this, because then people are just going to play it on tabletop simulator, and they're not going to buy our models anymore. Sure. Right. And John Russell's like, whoa, no, hang on, I, I got some guys that will show you how it is, and what's going on with it, how to play, and that's not the way it is. And so that's what this was, is for him to get uh, a hands-on experience with, well, us for some reason. On how to play bolt action on tabletop. So you say that like people don't want to get their hands all over us, right? So <laughs> well, <laughs> so if you happen to be a patron and you happen to see the little note that went out during, like we kind of, kind of, we intentionally didn't tell people early, but we didn't say don't show up. Uh, we live streamed it on our on our Discord, and anyone that was a Patreon, I. Uh, Got First to sneak in and discard kind of, almost a year, but. right? I know we haven't used it much frequently, but that was a, one of the opportunities. That, like, it seemed like a good opportunity to, you know, show people what we were doing. I, I think it was pretty cool. I, yeah, I, we, we had a couple stop by that. You know, I don't recognize any of their handles or anything, but they, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so, who won, Dale? Oh, uh, we didn't finish. Oh, okay. So we um, we got through six turns. Um, so um, it took us. We we did it over two sessions. The right, first session army? was. Let's, let's do the full recap. What oh, armies yeah, are you sure, guys sure, playing? Yeah. Good point. Let's, let's start um, from the beginning. It's a very good place to start right here. Uh, it was seven hundred points, I think. Yeah, yep, I did. A, I did a points. Russian list, and Alessio put together an American list. So, and both of the lists were based off of our our common tournament lists. So nothing over the top, in my opinion. But some people might have felt differently about either list. I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah, he felt bad that his bazooka didn't have any good targets. Yeah, well, at 700 points I, he shouldn't have brought a bazooka. I don't run vehicles, so I mean... Or I very rarely do. So, Gas says what? Yeah, and those can be taken off with light arms fire. So Yes, that's true. Yeah, they they don't need a bazooka. That's no, overkill no. in that case. Right. Uh, bazooka is just to really make sure. 
Oh, it really isn't though, because it's one shot. Yeah. Well, right. I'd rather small arms fire. You got a better shot of taking it off the table. Unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I disagree with that, but that's not the point. <laughs> well, we can we can have a conversation about that at some point. Yep. I'm gonna make a good po- podcast episode, right? If only we knew someone had a podcast. Hmm. Oh. Tank so, rifles do good at soft skin too. Yeah, it was it was just yeah, it was um, uh, objective scenario. Okay. Key positions. Yeah, key positions, and um, I think we had four? four. Four. You had four. Yeah, we had four, and. Um, he plays two, I place two. Um, like a lazy gamer that I am, even in the digital realm, I didn't <laughs> that was switch. just crazy. <laughs> I didn't switch sides like I should have. But, I mean, it wasn't. Um, I wasn't thinking about it competitively. I mean, it was a matter of Alessio being interested in how does TTS work with bolt action, you know. And so we were just kind of running, running through a game. Um, there was some small chat talk. We talked a little bit about um, bolt action and stuff like that. But we weren't. We weren't grilling him or anything. We were just playing a game, having a good time. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, what, I thought one of the funniest things was uh, when he had his one of his Marine, or I think it's just one of his Army squads, move up to point blank in your squad, and you went down and changed like uh, three twos to fours or so, or no, it was threes to fives. And he's like, oh, "I really don't like that getting that bonus that says point blank." And I'm like, "Well, if only you knew someone who could do something about the rules." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I thought mean, that was pretty funny. There were little things like that, you know, back and forth. And, and he did offer a few insights in, in certain game situations about kind of what the thought process or what his recollection of of the discussions were around the development of various rules and stuff like that. So it was interesting. We didn't um, we didn't record it or or anything like that. It was just um, just a small little thing. Um, and it was nice. He, he was interested enough to come back and finish the game uh, a couple days after we set up, which is great with TTS because you can just save save the position yep and so um we we got through six um we had rolled for a seventh turn i had the advantage going into the seventh turn but you know anything could have changed so but it was fine right. it was a good time I, oh. it was also to his credit that 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 second session he was starting at midnight his time and, and it was 2 30 in the morning when we rolled that seventh turn Jeez. yeah yep for so, his time yeah i mean it's like he really wanted to finish that, and I even uh, he even said that you know he took it back to the those other warlord guys, those other you know talking about the TTS that they were concerned about. He's like, we have to do something with this. I don't know what but we have to do something with this. So yeah, that hopefully was, that was really cool to hear. Shut hopefully it down. There will be something. Shut it down. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, in a good sense. He was very excited about yeah, it. Enjoyed joke. it very much. <laughs> cool. Yeah. yeah so. It, it was it was good. I think um, I think the table, Pat, you put a, a table together for us to play on. Um, I don't know if that's out on TTS. We have a couple um, of Snafu assets. I don't know if they're out in the workshop or not. But um, uh, right now, that one is just shared among friends. But I can certainly, after we drop this episode, I can put that one out there. Check yeah. out like the Alessio board or something. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see why not. So, sure. um, although I mean, I don't know how he would feel about having something something out there that might be has his name on it. Right. Uh, um, so yeah, they probably shouldn't attribute it to him. But yeah, it's having in this having played. I can say that this is the game that we. This is the board that Dale and Alessio played on. But I won't yeah. call it. There you go. There's a scripter I can do that. Actually, you can just dump dump our our armies on there too. I mean, it, I don't right. see why not. Mm-hmm. But um, it's just it it works. I think I think um, after a couple more games of playing, you could probably do um, 700 points. Um, and I think I had ten order dice, and he had 
eight for in about three hours. Yeah, seven. So seven. Yeah. Yep. In about three hours. So it wasn't. Um, yeah, I think it's it's really doable. So and it sure. works too. I mean, we we um, we were open to you know extrapolation. So we weren't really trying that hard to make sure that you know everything was evenly spaced out an inch apart or things like that. You know, it's just a matter of gentlemen's <laughs> rules, what made sense, these <laughs> kinds of things. So, and it, and that helped out with the game quite a bit. So, yeah. and then mm-hmm. I think we had two or three situations. Ah, I can't really tell. We didn't want to go back and forth for five minutes. So we just desixed it. So, I mean, yeah, there's definitely good. some templates that landed on piles of guys. Like, yeah, I think I had a template hit like eight of my guys in one <laughs> round. But they're just like laying on top of each other. I, I think he hit all of them because they're laying on top of each other. Whoops. Yeah. So, yeah, but, but I mean, it it works out in the end. It was okay. it was a good time. So, yeah, cool. Yeah, actually, uh, it was really it was really cool. I um, Alessio's kind of um, a hobby hero of mine, I guess. Sure. And um, we are our we had the same favorite Warhammer book, which was Fourth Edition Skaven book that Andy, Andy Chambers wrote. So I mean, <laughs> we we kind of talked about that a little bit, and so it was it was fun. It was cool. His his first army was Skaven, and that was mine. And. We both dominated with Skaven armies, so I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it tells you how broken the Skaven are. Yeah, right? yeah, right. So. I I was very impressed with how down to earth and just just conversation wise, yes. he, he was with us. Was, what I found really funny is that I had, of course, had set up a whole agenda thing and we went through it, and I was talking about how train, you know, you can build your own tables and stuff like that, and I, he let me go all the way through that before he goes, well, really, I just want to know how to play the game. Like, He's like, I'll have someone else oh. set it up for me. <laughs> okay, here yeah. you go. Let's play the game then. <laughs> That's why we have a pat in our group is that you will set it up for us. Yep. It works. Yeah, he had, he had sent me his army list, and I had gone ahead to the different workshops and gotten his army list together and you know done the color coding for the different squads and stuff like that and showed him those tricks a little bit. So yep. hopefully that helped out. I, I was very – I was – what's the word? I, when I saw his list, I was like, oh, okay. He's bringing the wrong tank. But then actually having watched him play at it. veteran. Yeah. I actually don't mind it at veteran. Uh, so it was like, what was it, an M4 Stewart? No, it was the, the, it was the A1, the oh, M5 A1. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which, which obviously the, the move and fire with the big gun is is actually quite a benefit. And it's 72 mm-hmm. points at veteran. Yeah. It's a relatively inexpensive tank for that price. So I, I, kind, of, I kind of liked it for what it was. Um, yeah, I, I, I gave that a moment of pause too, and think back to again. Okay, what about the one? What about the one hundred five mm-hmm. Sherman? Yeah, veteran, which is around one hundred and seventy points as well. Oh, is it? Okay, one hundred seven, maybe one hundred ninety. I think mm-hmm. somewhere in that ballpark. No, yeah. it, it, it did all right. Level. Yeah, it, it didn't have it didn't have many things to shoot at. So, and they yeah. got taken out by my by my free squad eventually, but. Oh, it you know, did. Just it, yeah, it, it ended up getting immobilized. So that's right. It did get stuck there, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, that's the thing. Get it where you want to. Where you want to fire from. That's what you're going to do. That's stuck. First step. He just he didn't have a lot of targets for it, unfortunately. So sure. Yeah. Um, well, hopefully, maybe someday in the future we'll get to do it again. I hope. I hope someday we'll get to. Yeah, I hope so too. Do that again. Mm-hmm. Maybe next time he'll bring like you know another Rick with him or something. Or, or Perry, I don't know. Whoever, whatever. We'll just we'll just play bingo with whoever we can get. <laughs> right. 
Um, yes, yes. Hopefully someone doesn't come in and try to put a poker table on top of the board and kind of screw everything <laughs> up. Yeah. Oh, man, who is that? Why would they invite that person with? Never promote Rick into your tabletop game. <laughs> well, sometimes you have to because sometimes I'm playing in them. But, uh, <laughs> yes, the funniest yeah. part of the whole thing was that I accidentally was – I was looking <laughs> – what was I looking for? I have no I, idea. I was looking for lighting or something or shadows or something, and I accidentally clicked on a board. Like adding an extra table, table in and the I, middle came, yeah. like not on top of it, not underneath it, but like actually merged, emerged into the table, and it it never was the same once you got rid of no, it. No, it changed the position of everyone's names yes. after we got the table. Yeah, out there, like they're just... around a circle all of a sudden. But <laughs> so that was funny, but kind of yeah. Whoopsie, sorry, won't do that again. <laughs> well, it's important in those type of things to to demonstrate what not to do while you're playing both right. action and table. Well, so thank in, you for doing that. Right? Yeah, but in rewind, didn't work as well as I expected it to in that case. So uh, not with the not with the table. Yeah, apparently don't mess with the table. Other things, right. fine. Don't mess with the table. Yeah. Um, so that was that was really cool. Jeff, I mean, Jeff got to do something else cool. So we've been doing a lot of extracurriculars lately. Um, so yeah, no Jeff, we can't get any hobby done, huh? Right, no doubt. Well, you that's <laughs> no that's not fair because Jeff still got hobby done. So and oh, well, you're coordinating all this stuff, so you're still getting hobby done too. Um, do you want to come over and help build an office? That'd be great. Uh, <laughs> I can, but you can't be there at the same time. Uh, we can be six feet apart. We can be in separate rooms, right? I guess. No, he, he just doesn't want you there because he's going to do stuff here. Yeah, 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 right. He's going to he's going to he's going to upper deck my office. Is that Something a thing? like that. Yeah. You, you don't know what an upper decker is? Okay, never mind. Um, <laughs> we can make a <laughs> we're guess. Not, we're not going to teach you. Uh, so anyway, uh, I don't even know how to describe this because I don't want to. I wasn't going to try and ruin it for you, but you did a podcast with Brad on on Brad's show. Right? Uh, yes. Theoretically, yes. Uh, we did an episode for the Warlord podcast together uh, talking about competitive army builds. They'd just done a featurette on themed army builds and staying with the good themes. And so they figured the flip side of that coin would be building an army that's very competitive and what units from every book that are generally available are the true competitive choices when you want to when you want to win a game. So it was, it was pretty fun. Cool. Not gonna lie. <laughs> now um, that episode might be out by the time this podcast publishes, but probably not. Somewhere, somewhere yeah, around I, the same time frame. Yeah, I think last I heard was the probably trail about four days. Yeah, cool. So we'll look for it. It's the uh, official Warlord podcast. Yep, I'm excited to hear that. So, and yep. I was particularly not salty about anything. So you know, well, that's wow. good because that's thanks, yes. thanks for being your best behavior in another podcast, right? Well, you Did know, you? I stuck, a, I, I ate a potato to soak up all the salt. So, yeah. <laughs> Didn't talk about Tiger Fear once. Yeah. Uh, no, I think I might have still crapped on that. So that'll probably, that'll probably get edited out. Don't worry. Yeah, so you didn't talk about Tiger Fear. <laughs> cool. It's not the Tiger Fear you're looking for. Yeah, right. 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 I think I might have I might have just snarkily said, with the new Tiger Fear, this other tank is a more competitive choice. <laughs> sure. Okay. Well, that's that's a reasonable... That you're not You're not lying. I'm not lying. No, it's and you're it's not even being salty. You're being factually accurate, which is what yeah. everyone expects. Context yep. is important. So. Yep. Yes, it is. Yep. Cool. All right. Um, and then Pat started working on something that I think is intriguing as well. Well, I guess let's let's take a step back mm-hmm. regarding competitive play in general. Um, Warlord's gone all over the place with this. 
right? I feel like well, we've done lots of like dog tag events and other crazy stuff. I think Warlord's still trying to land on exactly what they want to do with the tournament circuit. So what this yeah. actually comes back to is I think it was the end when I was editing that Marathon Episode 50 Part 2. <laughs> of wow, seven. that was really bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Part 2 of like 90. Yeah, right. Um, and there was, there was a blurb in there at the end from Jeff that said, Hey, Warlord, here's an idea for you. And put out basically like a general's handbook of you've got all these units that you've been putting out for years, but when you come down to the, the, the big tournaments like the Nationals, the WTC, is two examples off the top of my head, mm-hmm. you're only allowing units from the books from the armies of. You're totally ignoring all the other units that you've been putting out in these campaign books and these theater books. And that got me thinking. And then someone messaged us on our, on our Facebook page said, hey, I heard one of you guys is going to do this. I want to do it, too. Like, did we say that? I don't remember saying that. Who said that? And I'm like, well, crap, it's probably me. I probably said it. Um, but that's where the idea came back in. And so I'm, I am I sent John an email Sunday night, and I'm like, hey, John, here's just a crazy idea I'm thinking about. I want to go through all of the theater books, all the campaign books, and list out all the armies and identify the ones that the authors have said is available in Reinforced Platoon, and there's ones that the author just simply said nothing about where you could take it, including the fact even in their own campaign book you can't find out where it can actually be legally used. Mm-hmm. And identify those to start with, because there's a lot of authors, um, like the Fortress Budapest, which is Brian Cook, um, Bolt Action Alliance, by the way, uh, who actually is a, probably wrote the book thinking of competitive gaming as well, and why he included so much from the Hungarian army to be included in the reinforced platoon as lo- along with many other Russian units and Romanian units were also brought into the reinforced platoon in that book. And you look at the author for the Australian book who they had the whole Australian list. And then they also added some units from that book in, and some units were said, Nope, just in this campaign book. Mm-hmm. And then you have some authors in the other books that just like, Hey, here's a unit, figure out how to use it. Cool. Whatever. Yeah. Well, there's even books where like half of it is that way, and then there's that then it's not like the last. But by, by the end of the book, they just forgot to tell you where where you can use these units. Right, like they just ran out of steam or stopped right. caring or, yeah. or something. Like, but yeah. whatever. So all well, of these things. Hold on, are, hold on. We know that they didn't stop caring. Okay. No, they said <laughs> right. it's not they didn't stop and, caring. It's that they did. You know, that's a really easy thing to overlook when you're editing. I'm sure. Like I, it is because it's yeah. not like. You're looking at the unit, you're focusing on, like, okay, did the points right? You know, is the name right? You know, are all of the other things you can select right? You're not looking, like, the the biggest problem with that particular, the way that they handle it in general is that it's, like, the last paragraph in the descriptor above it, typically, mm-hmm. right? It's not yep. part of the actual, like, army selector, like, the unit selection. It's, like, the sentence right before it. So you have to, like, know where to look for them. But if you're editing, you may not even pay attention to that, or you may not even be thinking about that while you're editing. You're making sure everything else is right. I'm I'm not blaming Warlord, but it is. It's a really super easy thing to overlook, and in like in some circumstances, if you're reading through it and the first you know first dozen have it, and all of a sudden like the the next twelve don't, it's really easy to not have paid attention to that. I could see that happening. Sure. So it's not it's not it's I, I forgive them for it. I don't think it's you know in nefarious in intent but it still would be really nice if they made sure that was a thing exactly and that's not to that's, and that's not to mitigate the point i think that 
we we've made and we're making now simply that you know we see it often um and we'd really like if it was all together and it all worked and yes. you know those kinds of things so you know it it is one of those things where it's like we know you care uh, we'd like it if you cared a little bit more so that all of this stuff works. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, it seems like they are starting to do that a little bit more with, you know, sending it to people to read ahead of time and stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know. So, and here's and here's another example that John had actually talked about, um, John Russell, that is, the U.S. warlord guy, is there's in uh, Road to Berlin, there's the Panzer, Zator, and Truppen squad. Which is, I think I sent this to you guys. So this squad is yep. uh, six men, 105 points regular, 137 veteran. Their stock six men NCO, so seven man squad, SMGs, anti tank rifles. But you can upgrade up to three guys with Panzer Shreks for 20 points each. Yep. Um, now this is an infantry unit selector, but if you look at an easy army, it is put in the anti tank selector. Yeah. So, and that's, and of course, this also says where it can or can't be used, but it's an infantry selector. So it's things like that that we're I'm going to be going through and be bouncing ideas off you guys. We're going to be coordinating with John Russell, and we're going to kind of put these lists together so that they can possibly be used at um, the competitive play tourney circuit, which is they're rolling out. Uh, I expect uh, scenarios for those very soon. The circuit's going to start rolling out really quick. Um, so they have three different levels of these events, and I'll tie this all back in in just a second. So there's a bronze, a silver, and a gold. So bronze and silver, whatever the TO says is what is what it is. So for example, a bronze level event is 750 point minimum, three round minimum, uh, minimum 10 players. And they will have a tournament packet that they'll be able to get, whether it's a store or whoever the organizer is, they'll be able to get from Warlord that will have the certificates, the let the, the rumored and fabled bronze order dice in them for the winners and then a way to start tying this in with uh, someone help me who's the who did all the big scoring the west coast pairings is that a thing uh, best coast best coast yeah. so they're getting best coast pairings on board to try to start tracking all this stuff mm-hmm. um, and they're also going to try to work with um, the easy army uh, Greg or what Greg or Andy or whatever his name is. It's Greg. Right? It's Greg, isn't it? I get emails from Greg, but I don't know if this is the actual name. It might just be a, a thing. Whatever. Yeah. So whoever, whoever's doing the Easy Army, um, he's, he's got to get all of his stuff back in line so that they can actually use that as a as an actual supplement to cool. submit your list. Um, that not, that being said, right now he's not there, so there's there's going to be an Excel spreadsheet that you will fill out and do until they get this West Coast pairings up and stuff like that. So that's kind of all still in the works in the background. They've got the tournament packet together. It's been going through some refining. They've asked some people to do some edits. I expect that to come out really soon. But that's kind of what's in the work for the tournament circuit. So what you're going to do is you're going to play these tournaments and you're going to earn your spot at certain things, such as Adepticon, it sounds like this year there'll be 40 spots that'll be held for people in qualifying tournaments, and right now at 20 open spots for whoever first come first serve kind of stuff. But the spots in these tournaments are going to begin to be earned in the tourney circuit. Is kind of what they're looking to develop and trying to go with their what they're trying to do. And so what I'm trying to do for 
I tried it just to set up just for own sanity and snafu, and I'm trying to list check for snafu and having to kick out the twin bazooka jeep every time because it doesn't say it's actually a force platoon. Is to look at these units, go, hey, you know what? This one is fits kind of the build for everything that the rest of the armies have. Yes, it should be. Uh, for example, right now, if you take out Western Desert, you don't have an engineering squad for the British Army that has a flamethrower because that's the only sure. spot that that unit exists in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you, even the most recent one, the my much coveted rocket truck, the the Harvester, only exists in Mariana, even though. Russia's had one of their base books since the beginning. It's the exact same thing. There's a song about it. I mean, come on. <laughs> There's a song about it? The What's Katusha? The oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So well, because they have a song that's okay to be in their base book and include <clears throat> in competitive play? That's my reasoning. <laughs> <laughs> Waltzing Matilda, right. what? Uh, you guys will not let that one go. <laughs> Every episode. Uh, this, this this is where Jeff explains Katusha is a song about a girl. <laughs> yeah, right. And they just names, they <laughs> names the gun after the girl. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That would make more sense to me. She was sloppy and all over the place too. What? Uh, Jeez. Wow. <laughs> Angry and full of fury is more along the lines of what I was thinking. She is now. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh man. Okay. Well, that I'm I'm excited to be able to help participate in ever whatever way we can to help formulate this there's here's the thing that i get about it that i think is is a bit challenging is that we've seen i've seen a lot of compacts i've seen the idea of like you know rewriting the rules and all this kind of you know that i'm going to call it bull because i don't really care for it mm-hmm. um I think this is a good approach to at least getting a solid foundation for everybody but it's not really changing the rules Right, we're still playing the the standard set. We may be, you know, there might be some interpretation or opinion because some of these units don't have a choice. Like they don't tell you one way or the other. So now it's just a matter of us figuring it out. Yep, and that's and that's what we're gonna do. And then we'll put our recommendations towards John. Yep. Of course, when it, when it comes to the gold level tournaments, uh, warlord competitive play, which is uh, John Russell, and of course that guy in the Bahamas. What's his name again? Paul Walker. I, I know who I know who's oh, joking. Okay. <laughs> you don't like him just described as the guy in the Bahamas? No, he I don't care. Does. No, I'm sure. Well, he's probably drinking right now, so. Hope so. Aloha. <laughs> yeah. If he's doing <laughs> it right, he is. Yeah, right? It's well, 9 30 in the morning, but whatever. Oh, no, that's right. He's two hours behind us. I, yeah, I don't know what time it is. It's, yeah, he's no, behind he's two hours us. ahead of us yeah. in Bahama. Oh, not well, not well, to encourage it. our listeners, but. If you drink while you listen, it's probably going to help you get through this. Yeah. <laughs> unless, unless you're driving, in which case, no. In yes, case thank, you, thank you, thank you, Jeffrey, the lawyer. No, yeah, don't drink and drive. That's a no-no. Um, unless you're on a golf cart, I. But still, don't drink. Also, and drive. no. Yeah, it's also not allowed. I know. Technically, no. Yeah. On private property. No. Okay. All right. We're just going to stop trying to figure out loopholes in the legal system. Uh, That's super a cool podcast. Yeah, right. Uh, that shouldn't exist ever. Podcast. <laughs> that but we should yeah. not. So <laughs> no. Anyway, so the gold level events, the the they will be determined by the comp- the competition committee. What is the requirement, and this might be part of that, depending on how well we do with it. So cool. I, I think my biggest selling point was, you know, you know, John, they we've done so much. You know, there's not a third edition coming. There's not a version. 2.5 coming out, you know, you've got all these units, and just to say the ones that you did 10 years ago, the only ones you can use is really kind of 
it's kind of handcuffing people and not mm-hmm. sure you're missing out on the the as Dale had said in previous previous episodes is that okay I figured it out you're not changing the game this is my win recipe I'm going to go with that yeah so this is something to help change that recipe bring some more freshness back in and and hopefully get people to start thinking differently about their lists right and well I think it ultimately it balances things some to some degree too right like it's it's meant to help balance the armies that maybe are missing a few of the pieces that got they got put in a theater book where everything was marked as only for this theater selector right yeah. right so like you know there's opportunities there for sure in the long run for warlord to figure that out i don't know that we need to be the ones that figure that out completely but mm-hmm. we could make recommendations and they can yep. either say yes or no yep. or you got a good argument. Yeah, I think it's easy enough for us to go through and look and see, like, here's the gaps in certain lists that are missing. You should probably figure this out. And there's one other selling point that I had behind is that, you know, I've been submitted lists for Snafu over the last several years, and I've rejected some units and said, you know, this is not actually a standard reinforced platoon. And they replied back with, well, I thought the standard reinforced platoon just meant any unit that ever existed during the course of the war. And I'm like, that's a really good argument. But yeah. not the way it's spelled out in the book. So, yeah, they definitely don't right. say that. So that so it's kind of trying to find a bridge between those is cool. what we're gonna what we're gonna try and do, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make you guys think along with me. Mm-hmm. I yeah, like no thinking worries. sometimes. I like thinking. Just just warm me ahead of time, and I won't drink. No, between we'll the four of us, we should be able to come up with something kind of halfway. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sell us too short. So there. Here, yeah, here's right. here's the first here's the first thought point. Sure. Is I figured it's it, it's either reinforced platoon, or it's snafu allowed, or it's campaign only. There's the first three categories, and if we take them further from there, that's what we do. So if we're okay mm-hmm. with it being at snafu, maybe we'll have some consideration into being a long term competitive. Sure. Cool. Even okay. though ours is a. Uh, competitive narrative event and truly unique and quite the unicorn. It's the Tyranny Unicorn? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Fire-breathing Tyranny Unicorn. Sweet. I, I want this as a pet. Burn my house down. Well, uh. <laughs> play play outside only, or at other people's houses. It, it, it stays outside, sleeps yes. in a kennel like Clifford the dog. God, I, got, I need to stop doing, like, reading kids' books all the time. Good luck. Yeah, right. They'll, they'll turn up 18 eventually. So, all right. <laughs> so the next, yeah. so something else we we were talking about. I don't I don't know where this came from, Pat, but it's a mortar and auto clue, include. So this is, we're kind of switching subjects into a theoretical story, a theoretical building off discussion. of the competitive builds. And, sure. Uh, reason why I brought this question up is because when we were talking about our WTC lists, and we had, and Dale has always talked about. You're looking for consistent, 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 consistent. And I'm like, I don't think the mortar's consistent. So should it be an auto-include? Would you, versus 10 guys with rifles? Uh, you know, that's kind of where I brought the question up. And I just sure. wanted to bring Six guys with rifles. <clears throat> yeah. Jeff, you, you cleared your throat. I think you want to go first. Well, I mean, spoiler alert for the Warlord podcast section I did. But, yeah, it's auto-include. Some form of mortar is always auto-include. Okay. Light or medium, whatever. Heavy if you have access to it. But I'm a big proponent of the light mortar, but some guys, the medium mortar is probably your best all-arounder. Yeah. With a spotter. So I think they are consistent, Pat, but they're consistent in a different way. And I think that's the important thing. That they're, so they don't consistently put out wounds, but what they're doing is cons- trying to consistently move a unit. 
mm-hmm. right? You're not letting them hide behind that piece of, you know, really nice, hard, hard, dense terrain, you know, sitting on an objective. Like, your mortar's job is to target that unit and be like, no, dude, you got to move. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want you there anymore. Keep moving. Like, that's Move really on. what, that's why it's Move consistent on. to me. That's, mm-hmm. you know, on top of the fact that if you're going to play the spotter sniper game, it is an extra advanced deploy de- deployment. So you can if get you have that a spotter. Yeah. If you, well, and, and it, there's argument whether or not you take a spotter. And I think that is a, that's a, that's a different argument. Obviously with a light, like Jeff said, you don't get a spotter, but I also like the idea you can move and fire. That's, that's mm-hmm. a pretty sweet little piece of kit for sure. Um, piece of what? Piece of kit. kit. Okay. Like, I don't know. I've just always heard of it called a piece of kit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. I didn't. I wasn't thinking I was making words up that I, you know, just hear in my own head sometimes. <laughs> I, I heard. No, so it wouldn't be the first I heard time. A different enunciation on the first part of it is all I. Yeah, a piece of shit. Yes, yes yeah. it was, it was not a piece of shit. Sometimes, um, yeah. I like the light mortar, but I, I, I tend towards the medium because it does mm-hmm. kind of give you the best of both worlds. Though, yep. I have played a heavy, and uh, I will say, holy shnikes, when it Three hits, it hits. World of difference between oh. a two inch. It's a uh, sixty. Two percent increase in area, I think. Yeah, welcome to ordering pizzas, guys. Always yeah. order the family size. <laughs> <laughs> For the extra couple of bucks, you're getting your money's worth. Um, yeah, when it lands, it lands. That's the beauty of the heavy. Uh, mm-hmm. It scares the living shit out of people too. Yep. Um, and inversely, the other reason why a mortar is consistent is sometimes you don't want a unit to move. So it's kind of one of those weird, funny spots, right? Where, like. A heavy is going to make people want to go down. They're not going to want to take that pie plate in the face, right? right. So if you go down, if, if if they're going down, they're not using their order dice to do anything else, potentially. Just another thought, something to keep in mind. I might be completely wrong. Well, um, so you know, I mean, I I'm a fan of consistency, but um, you can. It, it just it, a unit does not have to be consistent uh, in order to warrant its inclusion into a competitive list, in my opinion. And so, um, by their own nature, mortars are not consistent unless you aim at something long enough to where it, you know, it locks on, and then it's in, it's incredibly consistent. And so, when I'm harping on when we were going through your guys's lists, what are your consistent performers? Um, it was to get you to focus on those order dice because they are especially important and you should always have an idea because they're consistent on what you can accomplish with them which should which should create the foundation of your battle plan or how you're going to achieve the objectives of that particular scenario the mortars are really nice um, for the reasons that that you've all talked about um, you know because they can they their area control those kinds of things um, but in addition to that the psychological impact of something when it comes up and hits um, out of the or out of the turn, and and the way I look at it is over the course of six turns, you're shooting your mortar. It's going to hit once, and it might as well hit early in the game as likely as this is going to hit later on in the game. And people are gambling then, and that can throw people right out of their game. I've so, had it never hit an entire game, so well, I, times. and and that's that's okay too. But guess what? You've only spent fifty points on that. Mm-hmm. On that, that mortar, right? That medium regular, sure. And so, so then you know, it's just, it's just, 
it's just one of those tools in the toolbox that when it goes off, it can more than more than pay for its points. Sure. Is, is there so. something that could cover its role as well or better if, if you didn't have that slot available to you, for example? I mean, is there... I didn't have the mortar uh, slot available warfare? to me? Yeah, it was to say multi-launcher. Multi-launcher. It's about as close, close as you can get. Yep. Light howitzer. Uh, a light howitzer. Light howitzer, yeah. yeah. Uh, you have a... You have a worse close range. You're, you're 24 close instead of 12. Only sure. in direct, though. You can indirect. fire direct with a light howitzer. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. You can fire Which is an advantage over a mortar occasionally. Yeah, and, Mar- and Mar- Mariana, direct fire. You have a shoulder mounted uh, medium mortar. Those are fun. Yeah, your mm-hmm. direct fires are. Um, there's there's some value in that as well with anti tank and stuff like that. So yeah, there is. Um, Ampulimits are a good uh, substitute for mortar if you can't get one and you're a Soviet player. And they're cheap, cheap, so. cheap order dice, and and that's actually the other thing about it too, right? Is it's actually kind of an underpointed. Uh, I won't say it's underpointed, but it's a fairly cheap order dice too. Right? Well, I mean, so, it's the same price as a medium machine gun team, and I'll tell you which one makes a list and which doesn't. <laughs> we'll we'll talk right. next episode. I have some thoughts about the medium machine gun team. I share. Oh, I think we all have different ones. Yes. I think yeah, we could talk we could ad, ad nauseum about Jesus. machine guns and how bad they we'll, are. We'll add that out of fifty-three. I think. Sweet. I um, I wouldn't go up to a heavy personally, um, because your medium when it hits, um, is is devastating to a unit for sure. Uh, to the point where it's it can it can put it to the, of ineffectiveness. Um, sure. So I think that you can you can knock a unit out of the game with your medium um, almost as efficiently as you can with a heavy, and you're saving yourself some points by yeah. by going with the medium. I I would agree. Uh, I think it's fun to run a heavy every once in a while, just for shits and grins. Mm-hmm. It it it's uh, it does add to the psychological pro like psychological effect of it because people are even more scared of it when you put down a three inch pie plate, for sure. And it's plus three mm-hmm. pen, which is nothing to scoff at, but it is yep. definitely it's almost like double the points, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I, I no, I, think I don't think about it 20% is. More. Yeah, it's not it's not that much more, but. What? Direct if you're trying to squeeze as much as you can, no, I don't then, actually. Then that's oh, that's I'm a place right where now. I cut. So, yeah, um, it's an easy place to cut for sure. So, and I mean, it's diminishing returns too because some people aren't fussed at all when when the mortar hits. No, I mean, true, true. You know, so you know there is, you know there there are some potential potentially limited returns based off of who you're playing and, and the way that they they're able to take those kinds of those kinds of plays. So. So a heavy with a spotter is 75, and a medium regular is 60 with a spotter. So it's actually not that bad of an upgrade. What did I say, about 20%? Yeah, you were, you were right on. I just, like, 75 points for a 3-inch pie plate is, I don't know, it's not that bad. Well, what, what, if if so, you've got those points, then you yeah, know what yeah. to do with it, then that's probably yeah. It's not a bad investment. Does what's, the the heavy, heavy, what's the heavy inexperienced? Uh, inexperience is 46. Yeah, I was going to say. Yep, yeah, so right. does the heavy, is that still three crew members? Uh, four. It's four. Four men. Heavy should have four, four and heavy. Four and heavy. Okay. Yep. They go two, three, four. Yep. Mostly. The American light mortar is three man for some reason. Yeah. What? Yeah, they, yep. whatever I reason know. they did three man for them. But you got one guy carrying the pack of smokes or what? Hmm. Redundancy. Like Could be. The heavy, can that. Um, can that be snipered off? Yeah, yeah. it can be snipered off. It's still a team, yeah. weapon, right? 
Yep. Yeah, nothing changes Still that. Infantry team weapon. It's not an artillery. Sadly. Which leads the whole. That's not. That's not bad for for the little bit of extra. Um, you get the extra man and um, the extra extra larger play. Yeah, it's not bad. So for for essentially, I mean, fifteen points. It's not that bad. Um, no. I mean, because the extra wound is you know roughly ten points, and you know a five point upgrade. You get that much of a five point upgrade is pretty big. Yeah. Pretty big. It, it literally is pretty big. Right. <laughs> Supersize it. Right. That's a it's lot of extra guys. It is. It's a McDonald's. I mean, it, yeah, right, because it's the difference between hitting, you know, if, if even if you're having your hits, you know, how many more guys are you hitting with that? You're, hopefully you're, you might be hitting yeah. the entire unit. Right? If, you, yeah. if you've got an extra 15 points, it, it's a great way to spend it. So. Sure. I mean, for those armies that have that option, not all right. of them have the heaviest nope, option. No, nope, right. that's true. And and quite honestly, if you have options like Panzerfaust and stuff like that, you might be better off still taking those. But who the hell knows? Uh, your results may vary, but I I, I like medium. Is I think mediums the sweet spot. I think mediums the sweet spot. I agree. Yeah. And everybody has it? access to them. So yeah. What yeah. about experience level? Yes, I mean. Yes, they should have one. Yeah, they, they need to have one. <laughs> they, they absolutely should have an experience level. Yes, they should have 100%. some experience shooting their mortar. <laughs> Otherwise, it's a really bad idea giving them a mortar. Right. Um, Don't want to put the show I've, one upside down. I've seen, I've seen, I've seen the videos. Um, <laughs> I uh, think regular is a sweet spot on that because yeah. you can make use of the spotter, but the unit's still cheap. Yeah. Well, you can you can still pick a spotter with an experience. You just they can't. Use, using them as deployment such a silly argument him. yeah I, who cares if you do that what? I mean if you do they, it you do it but that's a waste of points in my opinion guys spotters yep. are infantry they can claim objectives true not in our tournament but sure well not yes yeah, but can our contest. tournament disallows small teams from doing that but yes yeah I, um, um, and I believe in even some of the scenarios that we'll talk about with Brad later is that there's even some of them that um <clears throat> Spotters and medics are not allowed to claim objectives in some of those scenarios as well. Sweet. So it's scenario dependent, but yeah, I. But I th- in I think general play in key positions, a spotter can claim an objective. Sure. I think an experience without a spotter is fine. If yep. if you um, if if you're good at at setting them up so they have wide range of fire. Yeah. So. It can stay away from snipers. I was going to say, I, and, yeah. and this is a this is a lesson. Deployment that someone... becomes a lot more important with, yes. if you're taking an inexperience. So if you're good with the d- deployment, um, then there's another way that you can save points as well as mm-hmm. going with an inexperienced. If I had a choice so, between a inexperienced inexperienced mortar with a spotter or a regular without a spotter, I'd take a regular without a spotter, personally. Uh, but I think I think the sweet spot is regular with a spotter, mm-hmm. medium. Yeah, medium regular level with the spotter seems to be appropriate. Yep. So mm-hmm. roughly half the scenarios are first wave. Okay. And generally, meaning that generally speaking, that means that the uh, sniper is deployed before your first wave comes comes on the board, and so yep. you can position your mortar where he is. Mm. Now you put him in a mortar carrier, he can roll on and fire. But no, same with a light mortar, he can run uh, advance on and fire. Yep. Now, light mortars typically have a much smaller One inch. range. Um, 24 inches. 24, 24 inch. inches, so you, yep. you can get halfway up the field. but Well, 30 inches because you can advance six. Right, and so it's... Drop one in the sniper. And and depending on whether you go with, with a veteran, medium... I'm sorry, a veteran, regular, or or inexperienced, 
um, nothing clearly nothing operates in a vacuum so um, you're going to need to support the mortar with something else so for example if you go with an inexperienced that's going to be really easy to sniper off and so you have to consider that okay I'm either going to have to give that sniper something else to shoot at or I'm going to have to prioritize that sniper being killed which means it impacts everything else that you put into your list or something else so you might want to add a veteran sniper then to kill the other sniper you know depending on on those kinds of things so um it's not it's not always as simple as oh you know one size fits all in every scenario um well, everything else that goes into your list can 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 make an inexperienced mortar more or less valuable or make the medium regular infantry regular mortar the better choice so those are all things you have to to consider so well i'm glad we could provide everyone some clear-cut direction Right? Well, I mean, I Dude, think we all—it's—they're valuable, um, but they're more or less valuable depending on the scenario, the rest, how, how you deploy them, them yep. and what else is in the list to support them. So, yeah. right. So, so don't deploy them very first in the middle of the table and, and outside of any cover without any sort of support. Yeah, Seems mean, reasonable to not yeah. do that, right? Um, I will also something else that I. I a piece of advice someone gave me a while ago, a long time ago, actually now, because we haven't seen people in how long now? I feel like wow. <laughs> I feel like I'm living in a bunker. Um, was there? There are definitely times where a spotter is useful, but there's definitely, you know, like you said, Dale. Like sometimes it's great to look at an, an opponent's list and be like, I am going to do this with my mortar or my artillery piece. Like you're giving it a specific goal, and sometimes like. Having that spotter just muddles that up if you're just like, I'm going to make sure that I'm lining it up against the thing that I need to go against. So it, it, sometimes it's very obvious which what's your clear... You need to have a clear objective with that piece is, is another thing that I've... And it, it kind of like, well, duh, that makes sense, but it's something that, you know, like if somebody doesn't tell you that, it's not... It doesn't make sense sometimes. Or you don't think right. about it. Right, I mean, that comes... It. Yeah, that, that comes along the lines of understanding what what your list is capable of and what the threats in yep. your opponent list is. Yep. So once you go down that list, you should be able to be, be able to know what in your list can deal with those threats. Yep. And so then that's where that stuff comes in from. So, yeah, well, it, it, this is more, this is it, again, this is more thinking of the lines of if it only does this one thing for the whole game, that's fine. Right. It's, it's done its mm -hmm. job. You need to just yep. accept that it's done its job. Whereas like, with a spotter, you're kind of like, oh, I can do like four different things with it, but in reality, it's a six turn game or a seven turn game. Mm -hmm. It's probably only going to really do the one thing anyway, so just so, do it well. Speaking, speaking of spotters, real quick, I just want to add in that, and I've had the situation come up several times. Oh. So if you're firing your mortar and they're using a spotter to see the units and they're ranging in six, five, four, and you kill the spotter they don't get to range in anymore. Sure, okay. However, on the other side, if they range in 652 and you kill the spotter, they're still sitting just they're still hitting you on twos. So, if so they, the mortar they, is out of line of sight of the target. Yep. And, and the spotter they, is in line of sight. They get to a 4 and haven't hit and then the the spotter dies. The best they can do is a 4? No. They have they they don't have line of sight to that target anymore. Must pick a new target. Yep. Oh, so they can't fire anymore. Okay. Correct. 
So that that's a nice defensive tactic, and I've done had to do that a couple of times. I've sent some assault. Sorry, Jesse, sent some assaults uh, to a spotter <laughs> just because he was getting really close to ranging in, and I needed that <laughs> thing to be. You didn't want it elsewhere. there, yeah. yeah. And in fact, it put him because he had his his uh, mortar behind dense terrain, and so he spent the rest of the game moving his mortar into position to try and do something else. That's why, yeah. It's, that's so why that's, I'm not that's having the, a spotter sometimes. That's like, the spotter handicap. Yeah. Yep. But you know, when you're when you're talking most scenarios, when you know removing order dice, a lot of people have a tendency to ignore those spotters for that particular reason. Sure. Yep. Like, okay, that's I, I kill point. him. That's fine. But it doesn't get me towards the objective. However, it stops them from ranging in. However, if they've already ranged in, it doesn't matter if we remove that spotter or not. They will stay ranged in. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, well, there you go. You've gotten the most muddling mortar information <laughs> you can possibly get. So what I heard is take a light mortar of who can't have a spotter at veteran and include them. I, I like a light mortar at veteran. Wait, a veteran light mortar is awesome. It's actually really good. But it's again, you're building a list around that idea. I think, mm-hmm. I mean, we've said this already, medium medium mortar regular with a spotter is the sweet spot. But then light, taking a happy spot. veteran mortar, too. 38 or 42 points? Uh, I believe 42. 42 sounds right. Forty-two with at veteran. Yep. Yeah. Cool. I two man unless you're Americans apparently. Two man unless you're American. So uh, American paratroopers light mortar is two man. Okay. You can you can downgrade yeah. Kind so of. if you're dual platoon, do you automatically bring two? No. Okay. Wait, mortars? Yes. No. One usually does the purpose you're going to want it to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, veteran light mortar paratrooper version for the U.S. is 46 points. It's not bad. It's a nice little buy. It's all right, yeah. Yeah, I don't know that I would take two. Um, I think it depends upon what else is there. I, I, I put a couple in one of my lists just because I was maximizing pie plates. <laughs> uh, I remember my, I think it was my... First bug eater that did uh, a market garden list with British, and I had the theater selector that had two medium orders. That was really fun to sit the the first lieutenant in between them and snap to action those guys right at the beginning of the round after they mm-hmm. ranged in the sure. first time. That was pretty fun. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that should be auto include. I'm just saying it happened to be fun. By the way, I think I finished two and three that year, but. Yeah, I mean, it's you're probably if you're doing it because you're compensating for something else. That's probably a better choice anyway. Well, the the theater selector didn't have any right. armor, and the best yeah. I could do is put out uh, the veteran jeep that had twin machine guns, which, by the way, is awesome. Mm-hmm. Ten Oops. shots on a target's pretty good in a six plus jeep. Yep, sure. Yeah, it is. At veteran at like forty five points or something yeah, like it, that. It, it ain't no gas, but sure. <laughs> no, no, nothing is not, though. But, but I had three of them, so that was fun. Okay, all right, nice, sweet. Um, yeah. so I think we will take a break, come back, and talk with Brad. So, stay tuned. Uh, what's the music? What do we, What do we decide on the music, Pat? What's the music? Well, we today? didn't remember in the second half, so we're not going to remember in the first half. Oh, good true. point. Good point. Okay. Well, I hope you enjoyed the music. We'll be back. Hey, we'll get five. your magic eight ball, shake it, it up. Was something the music's going to be something. <clears throat> Will it make okay. me tap my toes? Absolutely. It All always right. does, right? <laughs> <laughs>
All right, we'll be back in three minutes, or or shorter. Depends how long the song lasts. <laughs> okay. No matter how long the song lasts, I'll put the remaining part of silence. One of these days we're going to cut in before correct. the song ends. Yeah, you know, right. There's right. three minutes. <laughs> we'll just do Surprise. it. We'll, we'll split up 10 second segments all the way through the next one. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We'll be back. I hear tell there's a stranger in the Jones household. Yes, hooray, yes, hooray. That's what I am told. I hear tell. There's a new arrival, six days old. Yes, hooray, yes, hooray. Worth his weight in gold. Come right in and meet the sun, christening sun. Time to have some fun. Yes, hooray, yes, hooray. Yes, hooray. Yes, hooray. It's a big holiday everywhere. For the Jones family has a brand new heir. He's a joy heaven sent, and we proudly present Miss. Mr. Franklin D. Roosevelt Jones When he grows up he never will stray With a name like the one that he's got today When he walks down the street Folks will say please to meet Mr. Franklin D. Roosevelt Jones What a smile and how he shows it He'll be happy all day long What a name, I'll bet he knows it with that handle, how can he go wrong? And the folks in the town all agree. He'll be famous, as famous as he can be. How can he be a dud or a stick in the mud when he's Franklin D. Roosevelt John? Go to sleep, my baby, and maybe you'll balance the budget by and by. Oh, you're a lucky baby. With Franklin D for your name <laughs> Mrs. Jones's baby boy is a welcome resident Give him a fishing rod for a toy He's the future president When this rascal goes to school ABCs won't matter Teach him plain old arithmetic And a course of fireside chatter My friends, my friends Let's all shout When he serves his fourth term, just you wait to see. He'll make history, cause he's Franklin D. Roosevelt. All right, welcome back. I uh, hope you like the music. I don't even know what it was. I'm shrugging, I'm shrugging my shoulders. You can't see me shrugging my shoulders. <laughs> but, yeah, we don't know what it is right now. Uh, but with us, we have a special guest. Brad, say hello. Old man Morton himself is here. Hey guys, how you doing? Good. Hey, wait, uh, weren't you in episode fifty? I was. I was. By uh, you, you guys for some reason wanted to hear my dulcet tones in your podcast. So uh, <laughs> we mixed uh, peanut butter and chocolate, and what was that old commercials from the eighties? And made wonderful right. Reese's peanut butter cups. Yes. Oh, I was <laughs> thinking. I was thinking. Was nice Goobers, intro. Thank you very so, much. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, appreciate it. Made it. me all warm and fuzzy inside. Yes, I. Well, I, do we? We. we Go for we go for uh, quantity over quality. Is that what it is? Generally like speaking, yeah, that's, generally why, that's why we're usually three hour that's, episodes. That's why we're still here. Yeah, there you go. Well, fifty, <laughs> 50 episodes to such a lower a, standard. Fifty episodes is a hell of an accomplishment, guys. I said that on the fifty, and I stand by it. You guys have a lot to be proud of. There's a you know, a lot of podcasts don't make it that far, and a lot of podcasts don't 
make it anywhere near that far with regularity. So, yeah, man. Hats off. I will say, between all of the things you've ever been involved in, you probably have, what, 500 episodes? Do you ever count how many episodes you've ever had? No. um, I did. So I did have a kid ask, uh, and I had some listeners ask, roughly how many hours of bolt action podcasting I'd done over the years. And... If I retroactively, and I was thinking about it this morning in the shower, if I retroactively ballpark it, I think I'm close to 300 hours. Oh, shit. That's like four episodes for us. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, that's like two and a half snafu episodes. Right. Wow. <laughs> uh, so some days it seems like that. And that's, before right? we, that's before I cut out all the crap. Right. <laughs> you mean that's after. Right. Sorry. Yes, yeah, after. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just, that's what just makes it to the air. It's not. You can't imagine how much more we have behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, so, so I as could we probably to, paste together an episode of whatever I wanted to with what, with all the cuts dude, I've made. You, <laughs> you could you could probably put me on one of the wildest diatribe like rants in the whole wide world about uh, I don't everything know what, about everything. anything. Yeah, probably about whatever. Yeah, I don't know. You could probably find something good. There's juicy tidbits in there. I'm sure. Ah, that sounds like a lot of work. That sounds like so much work. I'm glad you don't try and do it. <laughs> And we don't have AI that takes care of it yet. All right. So, yeah. So as I just alluded to, you've done a lot of things. You've done – well, you're part of the Bolt Action Alliance. And yes, sir. Were the first what, edition spawn out? Is that when they came about? Oh, man. Uh, do you – I know you guys wanted to get history lesson Do you want me to start now? <laughs> Should I? So, uh, so I'll save the, the full story, I guess, for later. But um, – uh, my original Bolt Action podcasting experience was I was one of the founding members of the LRDG. Uh, Dave of War, uh, Lachlan, the Mouth of Madness, and I uh, started that show, and Warlord Tobu joined shortly thereafter. And the LRDG spawned the Ghost Army podcast. Uh, and again, that's a whole other story. And then, uh, yeah, uh, long and the short of it is uh, that the – and then that turned into the LRDG too, and now I'm doing Cast Dice. So a lot of bolt action in there across the years. Right. A little okay. bit. <clears throat> I actually started, uh, when I started playing, when we started playing bolt action, I think is when the LRDG2 was nearing its end. So mm-hmm. I had a whole bunch of episodes to listen to. And that was actually, that, that, that actually, your podcast there and the Ghost Army podcast, when Rick brought up this idea, I said, oh, hell yeah, that sounds super cool. Let's do that. <laughs> Thanks, man. So, I, yeah, that, that yeah. sounded like you guys had a lot of fun just doing it and, you know. Like I've said several times before, uh, our podcast is basically the discussions we have on a given Thursday night when we could go to the club and just someone hits record, and that's the stuff that spews out. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. It's fun. I will, say when I, I will say when Pat started, like, hey, here's another podcast to listen to. Here's another podcast to listen to. I'm like, what, the, what am I listening to? This is the same guy. Like, I was so confused yeah. <laughs> for quite a while. I was like, why is this guy on, like, multiple – I'm like, I don't understand this. How is – like, why is he, like, moonlighting on all these episodes? But – I have been on an episode of the down order. Um, (laughs) I I was on bolt action radio. I believe at one point, um, possibly speakeasy. I honestly don't remember because at at that point I was mixing them all because I was the tech advisor for WWPD. Maybe I should just talk about how this all started. Sure. (laughs) Sure. I mean, that's where, I mean, we're having a natural conversation about it for sure. So let's do it. Like, I mean, so, it, oh my gosh! There's how many podcasts I don't even know about. I don't. I'm gonna have to go back and find some of these. Maybe, uh, maybe they're all dead, I and I will. Yeah. I can tell you. Yeah, and that's the problem. Yeah. So, 
Um, one of the reasons why these guys brought me on today, uh, and this is me putting on the podcast host voice, even though this is not my podcast. Sorry, guys. Um, yes, that's okay. Was to talk about the history of WWPD, BoltAction.net, uh, and how that all sort of turned into the Bolt Action Alliance and the million and two podcasts that were sort of part of that process <laughs> along the way. Um, if we go way, way back to the beginning of all of this, prior to Bolt Action version one coming out, there was a website called WWPD, and it was originally called What Would Patton Do? But Patton's uh, family wrote a letter, apparently, and of course some of this is legend, um, with a cease and desist. So they changed it to WWPD. No one would explain what it meant, but it's long dead now, so I can tell that story. Um, and it, it was owned and run by a guy named Steve McLaughlin, who is one of the most righteous dudes ever. And Steve was a massive Flames of War player, uh, and they, they had a couple of podcasts on the network, but it was largely um, a Flames of War website slash podcast organization, tree, network, whatever you would like to call it. Um, and part of that, um, Steve was sent a pre-release copy or given a pre-release copy uh, by Warlord about six months before version one dropped. And he handed it off to uh, one of the guys who was part of their crew, um, who was bolt action curious, a guy named Judson. Um, and Judd uh, loved it. And he said, yeah, I'll, I'll do a, a bolt action podcast. And he got together with one of their mates, a guy named Dano, um, who, God, I love Dano, um, who... Uh, are, are you all in Melbourne? So, Judd lives in New York. Okay. Um, at the time, I believe Dano was in a secret location somewhere um, in between Australia and the U.S. Um, <laughs> because he was working for a variety of jobs in military from all over the place. But... So they were very far apart for most of the episodes. Okay. Um, and so the Bolt Action, and so they started the bar, Bolt Action Radio. And Bolt Action Radio was the original Bolt Action podcast. And we in the LRDG, um, I had been on a Warhammer Fantasy podcast called The Dwellers Below, um, which. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> I used to listen to that one too. <laughs> right? Yeah, so I'm, I'm Old Man Moore, and that's where I got my name. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm, yeah. Shit's clicking in my brain right now. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. All right, yeah. sorry. So, Jeez, thanks. We've been listening to you for way too long. Holy Sorry, cow. man. Right? Uh, <laughs> so, I was on that show, um, although I was, I was the worst dweller. Um, Dave of War and I were old gaming buddies, and Dave and I talked Dave into doing a bolt action podcast with me. We were both dwellers, and Dave was way more invested in fantasy, but he wanted to play bolt action with me, so we played a, a bunch. Um, and we were listening to bolt action radio, and we got pre release, uh, you know, we, we pre ordered, I should say, um, bolt action and a bunch of models, and they all came, and we were playing it, and we were having a good time. And then we got Lachlan into it. And then within a couple of months, we had started the LRDG. Now, the LRDG was um, a, a dumpster fire of shenanigans. Um, and it was largely the way we were off mic. Um, it was very inappropriate. It was very... <laughs> Sounds a lot like our show. All right. Uh, we're familiar with that. Yeah. <laughs> we, so, 
Yeah, so we were, were independent for a few episodes, and then Judd and I started talking. Uh, I started talking to Judd. Um, I, I threw the old WWPD forums, and then we started talking through Facebook. And then there was a really drunk Christmas, I believe it was Christmas, uh, Hall- or Christmas um, Skype call where we decided to join forces. And uh, drunk makes the best decisions. I oh man, yeah. it was the best. Um, <laughs> so I took over technical duties for BoltAction.net, which was a subtree of WWPD. And at that point, Judd and a guy named Seabax, Craig Baxter out of uh, Alaska, um, were writing a lot of episode. Sorry, a lot of um, articles on WWPD about Bolt Action, and they were looking for more contributors. And that's where we came in. And so we came onto the WWPD network with Bolt Action Radio and their after-hour show, Speakeasy. Um, and so it was the three podcasts, the LRDG, the Bar, and Speakeasy. And Speakeasy was Dano and Judd. Um, and then the LRDG, of course, were the guys I was talking about earlier. And then from there, um, we started writing more articles. Um, I became a regular writer and then the more that I started playing in events across Australia, um, I went up to an event in Sydney called Moab, and I met Brian Cook, who I'd met previously back in the day from Warhammer 40,000 tournaments. I met and played in my very first game, the one and only Patch, in his very first um, bolt-action tournament game, possibly his first ever tournament game ever, um, of any game system. And then I okay. also met Anthony wow. uh, Mason at that event. And so we all hung out, and we all hit it off, and I started talking to those guys, and they became uh, occasional guests on the show. And they – but the LRDG was became this thing where episodes were like yours. They were three hours long, and the first half or the second half would be the original LRDG crew, the Melbourne guys, where we'd all sit in one room and drink till we fell down, and <laughs> it was very – I mean, literally, we had the entire WWPD – Network um, thrown off of iTunes twice because oh, of wow. obscenity. Um, wow, that's tough to do, and that's, that's without that's... swearing. Wow, um, oh, you guys are just very blue. Thanks, I Lachlan. Take it. There's a reason why we call Lachlan the mouth of madness. Um, so, so all I'm getting from all of this so far is that you guys all have really cool names for each other, and we are just lame and call Something each other like by that. our first name. Yes. Yeah. We use our given names for some right. stupid reason. Yeah. Why, why are we doing this? We got to. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure out that later. Anyway, keep going, Sorry. please. Well, I have the worst name of the bunch, Old Man Morin. Thanks, Dave. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, you, you, you do sound like kind of like the uh, like the grandparent that tells everyone to keep their shit together. Yeah, like dude, uh, that was my role on? on the show. Uh, although it usually involves slapping Lachlan and saying "moving on." Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, please, please stop before we get kicked off iTunes yet again. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, those emails because I would then get the. The hungover phone call or, you know, message from Judd or Steve saying, you, you know, expletive delete, expletive delete. What did you do this time? And we're like, I don't know. I guess we'll have to cut it, cut out a part and put it back in. Anyway, um, so. <laughs> was the way to get kicked off of that? I think that's what got us thrown off the second time. I don't remember the first. But there was, okay. there was two sides to the coin. The LRDG became the Australian voice like podcasting voice of um, Bolt Action, but it was very, very different. On one half, you had the LRDG, which was um, what you would what you'd almost see with a lot of podcasts today. It was how do I make efficient lists? What are the kick-ass units? 
let's make a lot of dick and fart jokes, um, and that sort of thing. And on the other half, it was, let's talk about um, historical units and how to represent them on the tabletop. Let's talk about battles and the forces mm-hmm. that fought there and how we can properly theme our units. Let's talk about, let's talk to, you know, Rick Priestley. Let's talk to John from Warlord. Let's talk to, you know, it became these two very different entities within one. And we got feedback, tons of feedback, that some people liked one and hated the other, and some people yeah. liked some and hated the other. And it and so it became a, a natural progression that at, I believe it was CanCon one year, um, I talked to the guys, and it we became officially separated. And the LRDG continued, and the Ghost Army became its own entity. Um, oh, actually... It wasn't because I flew back to the states. I don't know. That's anyway, say, you're still you're still on that one. So, well, I wasn't for a while. Anyway, okay. these things change. Um, <laughs> however, so the Ghost Army went one way, and that was the historical themey route, and um, talking about events, and the LRDG continued in the same way it always did, and then that went off. They went off in their own sort of tangential directions. Eventually, Tristan from the Bacon Burgers, before the Bacon Burgers came into existence, um, was uh, a regular on the Ghost Army. Um, and there was, you know, a rotating cast of characters, but generally that was the crew. And throughout that process, um, during those days, sort of the tail end of version one, there were a lot of voices. Oh, by the way, I'd like to point out that throughout this, there was there were two other really prolific, amazing podcasts. One in particular I'm a massive fan of, and that's uh, Down Order Podcast Sam. Um, uh, he and Uber, and you know, they had a couple other folks on that show. That yeah, show was amazing. Like they had they a were out of the UK. People. And they had nothing to do with us. Um, so I didn't touch any of their episodes, which was... You know, kind of so, nice. I got to listen. So there's to one, right? Yeah. Um, just odds alone, you're bound to have a bolt action podcast you weren't completely part of. Yeah. I mean, were you were you ever on it? I was on it once. But well, yeah. see, there you go. <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah. laughs> uh, and then there was Home Guard Radio, um, which is the Scottish uh, podcast, uh, and they were not as prolific as some of the other ones. But I am really good friends uh, with one of those guys, Al, who was the was actually in my original 40k gaming club. Okay. Um, and that's not to say I was in any way associated. I wasn't. I'm, that's just to say that Al's a righteous dude, and it was a yeah, it's a great show. And I'm hoping they get back to regular casting as well because I love to hear him on. I love to hear his voice. Anyway, um, so anyway, through that whole end of version one, there was a lot of voices, um, specifically around those on the down order. Um, and we were talking about it a fair bit as well, and the LRDG guys were constantly talking about it, that there were just problems, and the Bolt Action Radio guys, there were just problems with version 1 that weren't being solved. LMGs were too expensive. Um, well, the point values that. weren't exactly right. There were just so many things in there that didn't gel, like that could have been easy fixes. And so... Um, I know there's a lot of people who talk about the origins of this, but someone who was actually there, let me tell you, um, the, the boltaction.net rule set, the original unofficial tournament rules, came from um, CBAX, our friend in Alaska, and Judd. 
Judd wanted to create a tournament pack that uh, TOs could use that had um, slight changes, that had a comp system, that had um, slight changes to the rules that would make the game easier or make more sense to play. And um, we went around behind closed doors again and again and again about whether or not we, as a group that put out a lot of podcasts, and we had a lot of site traffic because we were putting out tons of articles, lots of people were reading it in the early days. Um, uh, some people thought that we should absolutely put out a change to the rules that, and the .NET rule set should come out. Other people thought that we should play rules as written and Warlord will fix it. Mm-hmm. And there was a massive debate and eventually the rule changers won out and we created the boltaction.net rules. Now there were three versions of those that came out. Um, then, and they were spooled out, I believe every six months ish or possibly, yeah, they would have to be. Um, and, but we took community feedback. Um, the down order guys were involved with that process. Uber Gruber in particular, I, from memory. Um, and so all of that came into um, it, it created a, a little bit of a divide though because there were some people who did not want the rules changed who did not want those rules and then everyone else who said these are great we should use them and most of those rules were then not officially integrated into version 2 that was never acknowledged but a lot of them ended up in bolt action version 2 anyway so that was cool but um, nice. Oh, somewhere in the middle in there during this debate there was a conversation um, and I'll be fully honest, I was one of the loudest proponents of not changing the rules. I thought it would divide the scene. Um, and But I, we didn't talk about it publicly. We would talk about it behind closed doors. And my solution to changing the game state and not and making it less stale, at that point we were playing in tons of events and we were playing tons of casual games. But for me, I was tired of playing the same six missions. Um, now, I know we're going to talk about missions in a minute, but for me, it was always, let's have different ways to play the game. Uh, and so yep. I wrote a series of missions. Um, I put them out one every week or one every two week for, I believe it was a two-month span. And there were um, five alternate missions to play Bolt Action that I put on the boltaction.net website. Um, which was the WWP website for those keeping track at home, and they were which, that, which I can't seem to find anymore. Well, it's, it's again, it's dead. So right, you can't. very much. So. Um, it's yeah. Uh, it is so so dead. It is so dead. It's undead. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, as par- that started a conversation with some of the guys, and Anthony and Brian Cook uh, put a lot of time and effort in to reread, proofread my missions. Um, add another mission and really clean it up, put really nice graphics on it and publish it as a PDF. And that became the 2016 um, Bolt Action Alliance, which had just been rebranded as that mission pack, um, which you guys published on your website or on your Facebook page recently. Um, And uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about later because it's one of the reasons I'm here today. That Uh, one got... That one got but, an yeah. awful lot of traffic. Holy cow. Right? It's so. Discussion, too, uh, for sure. Yeah. Sorry, I know I'm rambling a bit, but this is, you asked me to talk no, about no, the you're, history. No, you're, no, this is, this is all very intriguing to us because I think one of the things that we were looking at, right, because we all started at the end of version one, 
like yeah. kind of as all of this was happening, we saw we saw this stuff, and you know we've seen similar things. We were all fantasy guys, and we had seen similar stuff. You know, there were a million compacts for fantasy that were mm-hmm. like you sit there and roll your eyes at them because you're like, seriously, this is like how many different ways can you play the same game? Like, yeah, and unfortunately, and bolt action version two is starting to tilt right, that way I, as and well. I think that's almost always like the natural. Um, like progression of a game, right? Is like everyone's fine playing the game for so long, and like yep. you said, it almost kind of gets stale. Or as Dale it's put like it in a previous, <coughs> <laughs> or in a previous episode, Dale said, you know, you kind of figure it out, and you've made an army that works in the current rule set and the yep. given scenarios. So, like, I actually liked your approach to that. That's actually a pretty ingenious way. Is like, hey, maybe you hold back. You know, even even Warlord should do this better. Is you know, hold back. You know, make 50, make twenty scenarios and hold back ten of them. And then right. start using those, you know, as as a way to, to bring some new life into a game. Because quite honestly, I think scenarios can play a huge role in uh, how you build your army. If you know exactly. that you like, if you know you are playing certain scenario types, that makes a huge difference. So yeah, I think that's interesting. And it's they like start top like secret. Yeah, right. Or Double like, thumbs up. don't get me started about top secret or <laughs> demolition <laughs> man. Nobody likes those guys. <laughs> uh, nobody likes see those. episode forty eight or forty nine when we. No, it might have been just last episode. I yeah, I don't know. It might have been. Who knows? We they all blend together yeah. at this point. Yeah. But right. I, I'm starting to see second edition. Like, even we're talking about, like, how can you make the game new again? And it's like, oh, maybe it's just time for third edition. Perfect. Well, right. yeah. Well, back then, um, not to sound like the old man, that my moniker would make me. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. We're starting um, to sense why you have it. Yeah, yeah. right. Back then, um, there was. The, yeah, in my day. Uh, there weren't any campaign books. There weren't any theater okay. books. And mm-hmm. so we had no missions other than the original six that were in the rule book. That was it. There That'd was nothing yeah. else. Yeah. Um, and we waited on bated breath for every single Armies of book to expand <laughs> the game. And so we needed something else. Uh, and the mission pack was um, very widely uh, accepted m- was more popular than we anticipated, um, which is unsurprising given how popular the .NET rules were being. I mean, they were being used in the UK. They were being used in the US. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it makes sense that they mm-hmm. were played, but I'm still surprised that, you know, you'll still see Heartbreak Ridge or Nuts or Kitty Hawk Down uh, in in competitive play today in people's events. So, yeah. anyway. Does um, anyone ever ask you to use those? Sorry, which one? I said, does anyone ever ask you to use those? Or just grab yeah. Them? Okay. Yeah, That's people good. usually do ask. Um, some people use them, and they don't realize where they came from. Yep. Um, That's a big thing. Yeah, it's they've been around the traps for so long. Um, I actually was messaged by someone saying, hey, I know you like bolt-action missions. I know you wrote some way back when. I have a mission for you to look at that I think you'd really like, uh, and maybe you could adapt it sometimes. And it was Heartbreak Ridge. Um, and I went, you know, thanks, man. I, I wrote that. Uh, and he went, oh. So, uh, you, so you like it then is what you're saying. It's actually one of my favorites to play. Um, I actually have not played that one, although I have read through it. It's, yeah. Is that the one with the object, the, the objectives in, like, three, two different halves of the board or something Correct. like that? It's three. Right. There's three objectives, one in the middle, um, and then one in each deployment zone, and you only get – I'm – Maybe I'm thinking of nuts, but it's it's That's either nuts, nuts it's uh, either nuts or heartbreak ridge, and the one in your opponent's zone gets two victory points at the end of the game, 
Uh, if you can get that one, it's worth two, and the one in the middle is worth one, and your one's worth nothing. So that's you need great. to defend yours while taking someone else's. Is that nuts? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, nuts is the one that's very similar to what our timely objective is. No, that's not right either. This is great radio, guys. Reading like yeah, let's move on. <laughs> in the last two days, I forget what all of what, them are. All we're saying is there's a lot of scenarios. Okay. Uh, well, let's 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 get to the to the end here. Um, somewhere along the line. Um, Tristan went off and formed the Bacon Burgers with uh, a lot of his gaming buddies. Uh, and I left the Gap, and I left the LRDG for a while. Um, but somewhere in there, Steve had stopped playing uh, had stopped playing a lot of these games. And he was doing other games. Um, he was hosting Dungeons & Dragons live stream. He was playing Star Wars Armada. Um, Judd quit um, Bolt Action rather dramatically um, and Dano had just stopped playing altogether and so the bar in Speakeasy was gone um, they had they were all doing uh, Intensify Fire for Forward Firepower a Star Wars Armada podcast that I was um, doing the sound editing for which was also on that network but then that stopped and eventually there just got to be a point where um, a lot of the bolt action content was sort of the only thing that was... I know it wasn't the only thing, but a lot of the other voices on WWPD, the main page, had disappeared. Uh, And eventually Steve... I mean, he was paying a lot to host all the podcasts, all the the website, uh, all that content. And it was a lot to manage. We had people who were proofreaders... It there was a huge. Yeah, like a business doing things. Yeah, I mean it, it was massive. It's a hobby, mm-hmm. and that was part of the problem with the original group. There were people like Dano and Dave, um, who and uh, Tobu, who were we we would like to call the talent, who were wonderful on the microphone, and they never signed up to do anything but talk about bolt action. They loved it. They wanted to play it. They wanted to talk about it, but. They didn't want to write about it. Dave was writing a ton of papers professionally at that point. He just didn't have time. Sure. Um, and Dano just wasn't interested. And so there was there started to be you know occasional friction between the guys who played and talked and the guys who played talked and wrote articles because there was this 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 pressure that started forming within the group to put out articles um, just so we had regular uh, and dependable excellent content. Um, that weren't just unboxings and looking and reviewing product. Um, it was how do we keep this juggernaut going? Uh, and I went to do my master's and uh, I took a dramatic step back from competitive gaming. Uh, and so I left a lot of that behind. Um, but yeah, um, I knew about six months because I was uh, editing Steve's Armada podcast plus Steve and I were regularly talking. I knew that WWPD was going to go bye-bye about six months before it actually did. Uh, And so I had been doing the LRDG2 under the WWPD umbrella, which was kind of a bolt-action podcast, but also sort of a general gaming podcast. But I was getting regular hate 
um, messages from people who are saying, why are you covering other game systems? Where are the rest of the LRDG guys? This isn't the LRDG. And I kept replying saying, I'm sorry, this is the LRDG too. Um, <laughs> this isn't the LRDG. Totally different thing. Yeah. It's got the same two behind name. it. <laughs> yeah. So it was time for me to go. Um, and so I left. I hard shut down for, I believe, four months. Uh, and I, I seem to remember on one of your first episodes, you mentioned that that was the end. And I was sitting there in the background going, I'm not dead yet. Not dead. <laughs> just Still a flesh there. wound. Still, yeah, just a flesh wound. And, um, yeah, Halloween 2017, 18, I don't remember, um, Cast Ice was born. And that became my baby. And we hit 100 episodes this week. Um, nice. And Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks, awesome. man. Awesome. Well, it's a weekly show, so it was easier for me to catch up with you. Plus, they are only an hour long. So, hey. Uh, uh, but, yeah. yeah. And is it just, like, it's primarily you, so you probably don't have nearly as much editing, too, hopefully. Exactly. And yeah. it, it's it's far easier to coordinate because I'm the only with regular. Yourself? Yeah, right, yeah. It's like, oh, huh. well, yeah, it's also, yeah. it's more my wife that I'm coordinating with, but yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, but yeah, we, we get there. Um, and I, I have regular guests on from around the world. And it, it, it's a lot of what I did in the LRDG2, um, just with other games. But, yeah, and you, you seem to pull on some of the, your old sources again, like when that Fortress Budapest was out, you were able mm-hmm. to get in on that one pretty soon. Well, I also do the uh, Warlord Games official podcast. Not to mention another World War II bolt action right. podcast that I have my finger in. But anyway, um, yeah. So, <laughs> would you just like would Would you just like to I, edit ours for us? That I, would be great. No. Brad, it sounds like you may have a problem, dude. Do you do we do we need to do some sort of um, intervention for you right. with your bolt action podcasting? <laughs> Dave actually brought up a really good point a couple of years ago, and he pointed out that my hobby used to be playing competitively in tournaments and playing, you know, and painting and. Uh, you know, getting out there. And in recent years, it has absolutely turned into my hobby isn't so much the toy soldiers so much as it is the podcasting about the toy soldiers. Anyway. Right. Yep. Yes. But, it does take time um, for sure. What's, yeah. What's your, so, fa- what's your Facebook page again? Because I know you have some pretty good cast pictures dice. and stuff up there. C-A-S-T-D-I-C-E. Cast Dice. What's the Misfit Toys one? So that's my blog from, but that's Land from my old toys. Warhammer days. That's okay. prior to, that's prior to, um, God, God, when is that? That's prior to the Dwellers, even. Like, it's way old. Well, that's really old. So that's We're just like, all showing our age here. So. Sixth edition, <laughs> yeah. then? Because that, I mean, Dwellers yes. Dwellers was like seventh edition, right? Seventh and eighth. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, they, mostly they, eighth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the spell came out in seventh edition, though, right? No, it came out in eighth. It would have been eighth. eighth. It would have been the very beginning of eighth. Now that I think about it, because Dwellers was one of the ugly new spells that killed everything in sight, like Purple Sun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It was the the Mm -hmm. gross spell that I loved so much. (laughs) Yes, Uh, but yeah. So that's the the long and the short of it, as far as the history goes. Um, The these days, the Bolt Action Alliance is Brian, Patch, Seamus, and Casey. Ah, I should mention, um, after I left the show, Amph uh, did edit the show for a while, and in that time they brought on two American um, guys, uh, Casey and Seamus. Uh, Casey from Texas, Seamus from Chicago, and they joined the otherwise entirely Australian crew at that point. Uh, and then somewhere in there, 
Uh, I returned to the show, but these days the Bolt Action Alliance is uh, Brian, Patch, Casey, and Seamus. And I am back, uh, not as a full member, so to speak, because I'm running enough with Cast Ice. Not that I wouldn't love to be, but I've left it enough. Um, (laughs) Just take some time for yourself. Right. (laughs) Have I mentioned that Cast Ice is just me? Anyway, uh, the whole... (laughs) We... So, when I jumped ship and started Cast Ice on its own network, the whole idea was that Ghost Army would follow me. And it would come with me to the new network. Because that was not a show that was supposed to end. However, all of those guys now have lots of children. So... Mm. That's um, the thing, right, Rick? Yeah, that's a I mean... Dude, you're lucky I'm here. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> dude, I hear you. I'm the I'm the one who doesn't have a kid. So the, you want to know where my where I get my time from? Ta-da! That's where. That's exactly where it comes from. What's your What's yep. your What's your address? I will ship you a box with some holes in the sides of it. Uh, you don't have to open it. Could you just stick a Snickers bar in there and you'll be fine? I am a primary school teacher. I am familiar with the uh, with the, the little creatures. Um, so, uh, but yeah. So I guess the long and the short of it is, though, in rather exciting news, I, I might have a little bit of a a news scoop for you guys. Um, for those of you who are old enough to remember, coming uh, soon. That's none of us. <laughs> coming soon. Um, the, Third edition? I mean, it was always on the page. We always said it would be there. If you look at the Cast Dice network, it has always been listed. In fact, when the network first started, there were a couple of episodes on there. Right. Checking. The yeah, Ghost right. I'm Army, looking for it. The Ghost Ooh. Army is back. It is returned. Uh, so you will get uh, historical uh, historical theme discussions. You will get unit discussions. It won't be necessarily discussing the efficiencies of individual units down to the point value, although I'm sure somewhere in there that will get discussed. It is the Ghost Army of old um, with slightly new casting, but um, Brian, Seamus, Casey uh, will be in the show. I will be hosting the show and putting it out, and it will be back. We also have a slew of new voices, and uh, we're hoping to to lure Patch back at some point. I hope you're listening, Patch. Uh, Well, you got to get him to paintbrush for a little while. Even when you have him on your show, he's still painting. I know, right? <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm but, fairly sure that Patch doesn't listen to this. <laughs> but if you've seen any of his stuff, uh, keep yeah. painting Patch. It's fantastic. Oh, yeah, right? It's best. gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, heard, I heard he gets up at like 5 o'clock in the morning to paint before he goes to work. That's, he does. Sounds, that's a that's, true story. That sounds like wonderful, actually. I'm just going to say that right now. Like, yep. I, I don't get to paint like sleeping right at 5 o'clock in the morning. Same here. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? But yeah, so the, the Ghost Army is back, uh, and that is the long and the short of what happened. So when the lights got turned off at WWPD, uh, and thank you to Steve for paying for the, the whole damn thing to keep up for another year after he stopped being a part of it. Uh, he paid that out of his own pocket. God bless him. Um, everything went away. All of the old podcasts 
if you hadn't downloaded them, disappear. They're all on iTunes, but when you try and download them, they don't exist. Uh, all oh. of the articles that we wrote disappeared. Uh, oh. And all of the .NET work that we had done originally, the mission packs, all of the extra things, the video, sorry, the vehicle point value rules, everything went away. Uh, and so uh, Bolt Action, sorry, the Bolt Action Alliance, uh, that is where you will find all of the content that the guys have done since that point, plus some of the original content that was ported over um, right before the demise of the network that they were a part of. But the podcasts are largely dead and gone, um, thankfully in some cases. I am hoping to, <laughs> I am hoping to find uh, and re-listen to the original Ghost Army podcasts and hopefully re-post uh, them, uh, republish them through the new network since the Ghost Army has always been part of the Cast Ice podcast network. But sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, hey, congratulations on bringing that back. Sounds That's like awesome. Right. That is Sounds cool. like our ratings are going down. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's room. They, that's there's the thing. Room. It's not a competition. It is all about, you know, the, the more water the there community. is, it raises all ships. Community. That's go. community. Well, I, like, I like the way right. I think. Yeah. Well, and, and quite honestly, we're only three hours of what, uh, you know, how, how many hours are there in a month? Like, there's a exactly. lot of hours. Well, there's 168 right. in a week, so, you know. Right. So three hours of our of your time with us, and then you can go listen to all the other podcasts that Brad does, and you might have a couple hours left over afterwards. Right. Um, and you probably still haven't finished your current project. And if and during the time, have I already bought some more that you're not going to paint? Right. That's all my problem. True. Yeah. All, all all true statements for sure. Yes. yes. Yep. And Patch would have painted two armies. And right. Yes. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and Jeff will have painted eight. So that's. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. You know. And print and printed in four more tables worth of terrain. Somehow, patent. You know, sometimes when you get done that, when you get bored, man, you just have to print. You know, print, printer's got to print, man. Printer's got to print. <laughs> it does feel that's like if you don't, heads. if it's not doing its job, that's right? Yep. That's who's got heads. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So, uh, so let goodness. me ask you another question. So, throughout all of this, how did you get? I mean, obviously, you've had very direct lines to Warlord throughout all of this in some respect. But so, what? How did that come about that you became the the Warlord podcast? How did that oh, happen? Um, I mean, can you tell us? <laughs> can yeah, you tell I us? Can. Do you and, want to? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm curious because I, I think it's I've a cool said it somewhere before. In fact, I might have even said a little bit of it on the the Cast Ice hundredth episode. But it's um, I'll keep it. I'll keep this one short. Um, way back when I worked for Games Workshop corporate in the U.S., I was a trade sales guy, uh, and I was petrified of John Stoller because he was the acting CEO of. Games Workshop US. They brought him over. Um, he replaced a CEO that wasn't working out. And, uh, you know, when you get brought in to replace someone else, you're somewhat, you know, and I'm a lowly guy on the set on the <laughs> sales floor, which was volatile at the best of times. It was like the old boiler room movies back then. Um, it was a little intimidating and scary to see him walk around the place. Um, but then um, my boss quit in going into the Christmas season which um, is the big money time for trade sales at that point. And we needed a manager, and they were afraid to put a new manager in to change the dynamic of the team because my team was one of the big money earners on the floor at that point. And so rather than putting a new manager in, we were left to our own devices, told to do exactly what we'd been doing, and <laughs> we had to report not to the head of sales, not to the head of our section, 
but directly to John Stollard every day. Oh, jeez. Which was intimidating as hell. It basically told us that we had to get, you know, we had to, I'm trying not to throw yeah. in the British expletives that were used at that point, but we, you know, we had to get our, keep our <laughs> ear straight. But we, uh, so I got to know John really well, and eventually I left the company. Uh, and in funny story, my last day at Games Workshop ever, uh, as a full paid employee, I worked Games Day, Baltimore Games Day, one of them, and was there, uh, was at the bar post Games Day party, and John Stollard walked up um, to say goodbye. You know, I'm glad, you know, you've, you've got a job somewhere else, you know, Good luck never going li- into never the liked future. You much anyway, like you, no, it's like you always have a place. Let me know if you want to, you know, blah blah blah. Was saying very nice things, and my dad walked up and said, "You know, you could have kept him if only you paid him more." And I was going, uh, "On that uh, note, I'm leaving." Right. Um, <laughs> awkward. <laughs> but uh, years later, um, I discovered after loving Bolt Action that John left Games Workshop and ran warlord the company that makes the game that i love and i contacted him after doing the lrdg for a while and said hey john it's your bald loud american jerk blah 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 how are you and he said oh i'm great you know how are you and i said i want you to come on my podcast to talk about bolt action and he said absolutely not i do not do press i do not do this no and i said okay you owe me you're coming on my show. <laughs> and he said, um, fine, but I'm bringing someone with me. And I said, okay. And of course, this is, I'm, I'm exaggerating a little of this for story's sake. Sorry, John. Right. Um, but ballpark. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm not sure about that. And then I said, no, you're really, I'd really, you're coming on. And so he said, oh, cool. I'm bringing a guest. And as an afterthought, I was like, cool. Who are you bringing? And he said, oh, I'm just going to bring my friend Rick. And then like a couple days later, I messaged him back, which Rick? And he said, well, there's only one Rick. Who else would I bring on? And I went, okay. And then sure enough, when he showed up on the podcast, he brought Rick Priestley. Nice. Um, who, you know, I'd met a couple times at Games Days, but was not on speaking terms with at all. And so that was uh, that was a magical moment. But John liked what we did. He came on The Gap several times. He came on the LRDG before The Gap split. Um, and later on... Warlord didn't have a podcast, and I wasn't doing The Gap, and I wasn't doing the LRDG anymore, and I had my own network, and I contacted him and said, would you like me to do your ne- your podcast? Because um, you don't have one, and I have everything you need. Talk there you to go. Me. And he said, cool. Let me put you on with Paul Sawyer. And I started talking to Paul. And, you know, all that, like, I've done all of these hours of bolt action podcasting. You always think that Warlord's listening or at least paying attention or all of these other things. And I get on with the, the, the second in charge at Warlord, who's sort of in charge of the, the global everything, who used to talk to Judd all the time, way back when. Uh, and, you know, I was, I was like, cool, let me write you this, uh, this big spiel. And I, I, I put it out and I sent it to him. And his response was something like, yeah, John said that you're a good guy. I don't know you at all. I haven't listened to any of your shows. Um, I'll have to check this out and let me get back to you. And I was like, oh, well then. uh, There's a shot to the ego, right? Yeah, put you back in your place a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that that was a little humbling. It's just a a tech barrier is all that is. Right. But then he replied and said, you know, I love what you do. Uh, Absolutely. Let's do this. And, okay. uh, and we did. And so I've been doing the ghosts. 
uh, sorry, not the ghost. I've been doing the Warlord cast for a while now. I just hit episode 27, I believe. And uh, spoilers, uh, our good buddy Jeff from this show joins me in episode 28, which is coming Woo-hoo. out in the Woo-hoo. next week or two. Nice. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, anytime. Yeah. Getting some interbreeding going on, intermingling going on, interbreeding. Interbreeding is the wrong word. Now I'll be doing your podcast, guys. Careful. You've already done that. Crossover episodes is what we like to call them. Yeah, it's like the bad episodes of Happy Days where they bring in Flintstones or whatever. Mark and Mindy, baby. Mark and Mindy, yes. Mark and Mindy, that's right. Not not the Flintstones. That would make no sense. Oh, shoot. Okay. Uh, That... Is amazing. Uh, I, and you're probably unfamiliar, but Dale just played a game with Alessio the other day on Tabletop nice. Simulator, and it was it was fun rubbing elbows with someone you know that I grew up admiring for yeah. for that sake. So that was pretty cool to get yeah, to be a part very of. Down to earth guy is kind of. Cool. Um, but yeah, that's just something that we we got to do, and I thought that was pretty cool. So I can't imagine that's awesome, man. All of the yeah, that, insider well, stuff came, you get to see that came about because. Um, they didn't really know what this whole tabletop thing was, and they were kind of afraid of it. They're like, this is the end of our model line. And John <laughs> John Russell, who's a, the, the warlord rep in the United States here, said, no, no, Alessio, that's not it. Let me put you in touch with a couple guys. They'll teach you how to do it, and you'll see that it's okay. And sure enough, we had to split it in two sessions just because it takes that much longer in tabletop. Yeah. I don't know if you've, you've done that, I'm sure. No, because I'm podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. But, yeah, so we had to do it in two episodes, and in, in, the, in between the sessions, he kind of was like, yeah, I gave the feedback to the Warlord guys, and, and I said, we have to do something with this, because this is where it's at. This is really cool. So Cool. It was nice to talk to him. It was yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it was exciting. How much time we He's got here, Brad? I'm, I'm happy to keep talking if you are. Okay. I didn't know. What you said you had to get off in about? about an hour. I just making yeah, sure I'm, that we. Have... I'm I'm good. I think you guys still wanted to ask me about the mission. Oh yeah. Yes, yes, yes. We I we can talk all day. I'm just making sure that you're. You said you may have to run, so I'm just making sure that we. I'm, are I'm good. Being respectful. Good. Great, fantastic. All respectful. right. When did you, who are you? What you do with Rick? <laughs> right. I'm not drinking tonight. I don't know. Oh okay. Oh that's say, there. Oh, wow. Um. So all of this is Bolt Action Alliance. All this stuff was you writing scenarios, right? Like. That's part of this whole thing. So, can you kind of talk to us more about where where did you where did you come up? Well, first of all, where did you come up with your ideas for scenarios? What what made you decide to do the scenarios? Because I know uh, Jeff and Pat are prolific. Well, I won't say prolific. You're prolific. Mm. Uh, amateurs in your eyes at oh, scenario please. writing. <laughs> well, okay, they're they're just have a lot less time done doing this because you've been doing this for a lot longer. So, Jeff and Pat, maybe you should get on it. No. No, so, I, I mean, quite honestly, at this point, if they write a scenario, it's probably one of your scenarios anyway. <laughs> uh, I'd like to say that uh, a lot of the stuff that I've done is not the most original. Uh, and let me let me back that up. So way back when, as I said, we were looking, I was looking for a particular way to freshen the game without changing the rules. And for me, giving players different ways to play was important for that. And one of the problems with a lot of the missions that we're seeing in campaign books and theater books that we've seen since then, and when I say problem, isn't that it's a problem, it's they are designed for a specific purpose. And that purpose is to match the campaign and the theater. The problem with that is if you want to play a fair, balanced game, and that's what I was all about at the time. Um, when I, when that original those original missions came out, I wanted missions where two players were able to play um, uh, 
to have that opportunity where both of them have an equal opportunity to win. Um, and a lot of those missions ended up looking very symmetrical uh, in their sure. in the way that they're laid out. And we were playing in a lot of tournaments at the time and in preparing for tournaments or playing histor- historical themed games on tables with uh, matching terrain, which is always great. But then wanting to have a balanced, fun game in the process where one person wasn't curb stomping the other one because of the way the mission was written. Yep. Now, I'd been a competitive 40K player for a very long time and was a big part of the Australian uh, tournament rankings way back when. Uh, and for me, I had a lot of experience playing in really big events um, that had lots of players, lots of games. So I kind of had an idea of what a mission could look like in a way that you could get done in a time frame is fair for both players and is hopefully I would like to say still fun. Like I I don't want to sound like an egotist here. Um, (laughs) So I I took a lot of the bits and pieces out of um, missions that I'd played previously slash experiences that I'd had uh, where, you know, how do you make an objective game interesting and fun uh, and force players it's really easy to write a mission and then end up with people sitting across the board shooting at each other but not moving and that makes for a dull ass game (laughs) yeah Um, for sure and that was what Dano used to say on Bolt Action Radio like don't play for the draw get out there get your win um, and you got to get out there and move it. it it's really boring. Like you can sit in the corner and shoot at each other. I think those guys used to say, slow clap, congratulations, you figured out how to play the turtle. No one wants to play against that. No one wants to play that. It's boring. So I tried to create missions that encouraged people to move. Uh, and that's what those missions did. Um, now, as I said, I wrote five missions, uh, and Anthony and Brian, I'm not sure who, I, I'm assuming it's Anthony, because he wrote another missions that, a mission that didn't make the pack at the time called Scalps, which was based on uh, roughly Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> Somewhere in there, another mission appeared. Um, and so six missions became part of the pack. And the pack okay. was designed to be a resource for tournament organizers in particular, Again, not telling them how to run their event, just missions that they could pull from. And we recommended back then that one in three missions was what we would call, and this is an old 40K term, kill point missions. Where you got, you rather than claiming objectives, you would get victory points for destroying enemy units or or taking their order dice off the board, right? Yep, yep. And so the ratio was two thirds scenario, sorry, um, objective, one third kill points. Okay. And that was how that set up. Uh, although, if you look at that initial pack, five of the six of those missions are uh, objective. objective grabs. Yeah, so right. we recommended that you picked four of your favorite objectives if you were going to use those missions. Um, you use, I think it's Breakthrough is the name of the, the, the quote-unquote kill point mission in that. And then back then, we, we recommended that you use Max Attrition, which is no longer in existence. And so we then said, I think, recently, as a new pack might be coming out since this episode is dropping, um, (laughs) No Man's Land would be the replacement. Uh, And there's actually going to be a page write-up explaining how to use the pack now, which wasn't previous. So let me be clear when I say, 2020, as you guys mentioned earlier, there was a lot of discussion. There's been a lot of discussion of 
Bolt Action 3rd Edition. Now, I had War- uh, Alessio on the Warlord Games podcast, and he said that that is not coming soon. Stop talking he hasn't, about it. He hasn't been assigned it anyway. Right, exactly. Right, it, right. He it's would not a glimmer in his eye. He has notes, yes. but he hasn't been told to work on it yet. So even sure. when he starts working on it, before you get into playtesting, before you get into actually the proper rewrites, and then going off to publish, we're not close to a third edition. So For it sure. sounded, I was talking with some of the Bolt Action Alliance guys, and we decided, um, partially because you guys asked to republish those original missions through your Facebook page, um, we Th- went, well, thanks, you yeah. know, if people can't find them, we mm-hmm. might as well redo them. Um, and I'd had years of playtesting data from uh, people sending me event information about the original missions. Uh, and I had uh, two additional missions, one that was originally published on WWPD called Crossfire, which missed the pack by weeks um, way back when and was playtested to death and I had all the data for. And another mission that we ran in several local events because I used to TO quite a lot. Uh, and all of those came together. Um, and so that one's now called Fog of War. And so four of the initial original missions are in the new pack, plus two new ones. But again, it is five objective grabbers and one quote-unquote kill point mission. But again, if you are looking to run a six-game event, A, amazing that you can do that in the age of COVID, but also, B, uh, I recommend that you use No Man's Land as one of them. Uh, I know that the Juggernaut guys don't like Kitty Hawk Down. They complain about it. But, you know, that's still one of my favorites. So it depends on what you're looking for in a gaming experience. Um, I would like to quickly say, because you asked where I get my ideas, Kitty Hawk Down is a rewrite. It is the most blatant ripoff of a... <laughs> it's... it's I, it isn't a re like I, I took the idea from a from one of Melbourne's 40k's classic missions. Uh, okay, it was called Thunderhawk Down. Sure, sure. And it was uh, at Arcanicon, Australia's. In fact, it was the largest 40k tournament in the Southern Hemisphere for years and years and years. Uh, and those the guys who wrote that, uh, who uh, ran that, were the war all the time. What and uh, that club. And I want to take my hats off and publicly thank them. I know I did it way back when, but all those podcasts are dead. Uh, <laughs> they, I stole that idea. I mean, I bolt-actioned it, and that took a lot of rewriting to make it work. But right. the idea of the plane crashing and then you needing to go get the, the bit and piece in the middle, that is completely them. So uh, my hat's off to the war all the time, guys. See, it's funny. That's the only one I've never really questioned because I just know that they probably just got it from Black Hawk Down. But... <laughs> I'm nope. just saying, no, no, nope. Actually, that no, I suppose Warhammer. That's Thunderhawk down, and yeah. that could have come from Blackhawk down. That's what I'm saying is, I think that was probably their inspiration yeah. for it. I, I guess you know, I didn't assume guys, that there's a 40k. Knows? I mean, you're right. Who knows? I, I, I'm just speculating as to where it came from at one point or another. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So I'm I, not sure if that answered your questions of where um, I got my ideas from. I think um, it, it does. was very much my experiences as a hardcore tournament player. Um, okay. Although. I haven't played in a tournament in... I, I played in an event, I think, a year or two ago. But I have almost completely stopped playing competitively. Uh, and I just play with friends. But I still want a balanced, fun scenario. And sure. that is where all of these come from. Yeah, and no, that totally makes sense. I was going to say in that whole thing there, like, what do the juggernauts not complain about? 
Um, I'm just saying. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> well, I got, they sent me a Juggernaut Range Ruler as a as a present. I asked for it, and they sent one over. And oh. uh, the the little note that they sent with it was "Stay petty." Uh, yeah, that's something like F you and then you know here's our here's our little range ruler and I was like thanks guys I, I, it tells me a lot about you as class acts I'll well, send I love them those guys. Tof- I do talk to Topher yeah. okay I, just yeah, say, I think that's, that's their tagline that you're supposed to come up and tell them that at tournaments and they give you whatever their little token thing is oh is that I didn't know yes. that and I have that's, listened to their show well because yeah because getting petty is you know what's your favorite model I'm going to kill it if, uh, yes. Right, it's like they're losing in the tournament. They're like, "We're yeah, not gonna. I'm not gonna win this game. Let me kill your favorite model at least. Let me do something good for me." Like, right on. <laughs> yeah. So being petty, which is, I think is hilarious in a in a tournament setting. Like, oh, I'm getting totally hosed here. Let me kill your most beautiful model. Uh, yeah, yeah. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that, but yes, you you did definitely answer my questions about it. I think it's interesting to see. Like, I, I'm I'm going to tangent here, Pat. Sorry, buddy. Because you were talking about competitive 40k, and I don't know if you guys have uh, East Coast or the Best Coast pairings out there. Have you familiar with that pack? I I'm... so I stopped playing 40k in the opening weeks of Sixth uh, Edition. Okay, uh, I started. I I played enough of it to know I don't want to play this anymore. And <laughs> yep, uh, fair. Yeah, and I, fair. I hardcore quit then and jumped to Fantasy, which is when the Dwellers uh, sure. came into being, and then. When Bolt Action came along, it was the it was the 40k that I knew and loved, but um, World War II and was like, hell sure. yeah, give me this. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. I, I, the only reason Love to bring it up, and I, I've never played in a tournament with this. I've just seen it because we run tournaments at events or gone to events where they have 40k tournaments mm-hmm. as well. And their setup is so bizarre. You, you're talking about symmetrical. And the, the way that they run these tournaments now is so bizarre to me, and I can't figure it out because every table is the same. And every side is symmetrical, and everything is super equal. Like they are playing it to the T. Like everything is, everything is equal outside of your playing. Your your capability of playing is what they're going for, and it drives me crazy because I think it's like this doesn't look fun. Like this looks boring, and these tables yeah. look like so oh, static. Spraying soup cans and yeah, plastic um, boxes and even you know. even like the super pretty ones is still like there's two L's in the middle and they got some barricades and then there's like two other blown up buildings and that's your whole table is like six pieces of terrain and i'm like these are yeah. this is bizarre to say the least um yeah that's not my idea of a good time i know i know that there most 40k events probably aren't running it that way um i a lot of my friends still play 40k and they're they're having a good time with it especially ninth and i know patch is loving the hell out of ninth edition at the moment okay um and brian is too and yeah I mean, having a good time with it, and I know there's some great terrain going on in Melbourne, and okay. yeah. If my I, terrain isn't immersed enough that I don't that we don't need to have a lost and found for models left behind, I didn't do my job. Exactly <laughs> right. You yes. know, you, you don't give them back; you keep them. So you uh, make I your had next one that I had to return at the following snafu. Yes, that's <laughs> true. Uh, somebody's left their spotter in one of my one of the towers or something. A little silly. I was going to say it's always the spotter or it's always the sniper. Yeah, yep. sniper spotter yep. is usually what it he is. He was really well hidden. Uh, let me tell you, no one yeah. saw him. <laughs> yeah, he stayed there for another two games before I was packing up the table and found him. That's awesome. That's so funny. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this now. Hold on, sorry. Well, that's like the whole so, podcast, right? Thanks, thanks, Fat. Thanks, Fat. No problem. I don't know if there's anything else we want to t- cover. We've talked about scenarios. 
We did. Uh, did oh, we talk about the, any narrative? We talked about competitive for sure. But did you do you do mm-hmm. narrative uh, stuff at all? Uh, so it depends. Hold on, on, like are the... we recording? Because that's yes, yeah, we are. I'll yeah, get yeah, a very stop. different answer depending on if we're recording. Or not. Well, I mean, it sounds like most <laughs> of the it sounds like most of the tournament or the scenarios you've written recently, like you said, are are for fun. They don't necessarily. Yeah. I mean, do you strive to have them be competitive? Or do you think it's yeah. just if I mean as yes. um, so your scenarios are are meant to be a lot are meant to be in a competitive play narrative is a totally different beast though right like you it is I, I feel like most of like you were talking about theater books those are most almost a hundred percent narrative yeah and like those are meant to tell a specific story at a specific time and they're meant yeah. to have a specific I, I feel like Warlord is a pretty. Try bring them into competitive tournaments. Yeah, well, they should never do that in a million years. That's unless you're doing in like a theater, like a theater event, which I'm not even going to call a tournament. I've seen those where you know they're. I think uh, mm-hmm. they've run one in Chicago several years. I don't know if they're still. They're not doing it anymore. I think a couple years ago was the last one, but they were. You know, like they specifically say it's this year, whatever the theater is. Bring your list for that for that time frame and we're going to do an event that's based around those scenarios and i think that's a cool idea too but it's very different it is um so the way i look at it is a lot of the way that the gap was originally formatted just to bring it back to the ghost army yeah it i i spent a lot of time really digging into uh themed army lists really digging into what was actually there and not trying to find to use the old parlance from 40k not just having the forge world that makes las cannons and plasma guns it's you know how do you not to build Ooh, i'm gonna run four heavy howitzers and yes i am looking at you paul walker um i'm not i'm gonna (laughs) run four heavy howitzers because i'm running in uh an artillery division Eh, (laughs) uh, for me it's more i'm gonna try and come up with something that's different i've won cancon um and i don't say that to brag i haven't played a cancon since i took the pressure poorly um, well, you win. I, I, drop I, I was, I won badly. I, <laughs> oh. um, I, I, I did not enjoy the way I was at that event. And that was part of the reason why I left the podcast was because I was too competitive. Um, and so I went the other way. And so I started to try and really come up with lists that you couldn't win with and <laughs> then challenge yourself and have fun. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I, I took, uh, so I ran in, uh, in version one back before the vehicle rules changed. I ran uh, in an Indian list, uh, a British list um, that ran four Indian carriers back when they were like terrible. Why would you ever do that? Well, that was my list, and okay. I love that list. Um, Auto Sahariana before it was in the desert book, and mm-hmm. it was just running the Sahariana vehicle with multiple platoons of plain Jane Italians. Let me tell you, those rules do not help you win. Um, And, you know, just running weird lists like that. I I like to... My Japanese are great code. um, Manchurian slash Battle for Shanghai slash Chinese Occupation Forces. And so my main battle tank is slow and is crappy and has a light howitzer in the in the turret and you know i i don't take lunge mines because the japanese didn't do that they were winning and i don't take <laughs> um i don't take spear guys because they weren't they weren't doing that mm-hmm. they were right. winning they were the aggressor they were regular riflemen and that's what i have in my army men in my army so did you still use the bonsai charge though 
Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I use fanatic more than anything else. Okay, sure. Right. Um, yeah. Because kind of. that's, they were fanatical. Absolutely. But, uh, I mean, that's kind of how I approach listing and gaming is I sure. try and find something that interests me uh, and run with it, but not at the detriment of my opponent. And I don't necessarily run the missions out of the book because those can, you know, out of theater books, I should say, because those can be a little swingy. I mean, Brian uh, did a wonderful job when he wrote the, the Budapest book. There are some wonderful missions in there that are asymmetrical or fair to play. And there are some other great missions in some of the other books, but you got to look a little bit. Um, and those are great if you want to play those missions. I have played non-symmetrical, non-quote-unquote fair missions um, that are more historically accurate, and they've been great games. But I tend to like even forces playing, and I do like it when those forces are historically matched, but that's where my narrative goes. Sure. I like I, I like that. So that's where... I guess I'm not a giant uh, button counter, but I'm also not a kick your face in. I'm somewhere in between. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah, you know, that makes complete sense. That's that's a good place to be in my opinion. That's um so do you have a do you have a ghost army? I don't have a I don't have a uh, an uh, an army which is a single guy or a couple guys standing around a radio with a bunch of inflatable tanks floating right you know, right floating off the ground next to them. Uh, although I have been tempted now that I've seen there is someone who makes a 3D print I think of the inflatable tank. Uh, I'm pretty sure I saw that. So Dude. I'm kind of going. That would be fun. That would be but fun. No, that would be fun. Um, like a, a great display board. Like a dude else. in the back with a bike pump just pumping it up. That'd be great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would be a cool objective market. Sure. The pump guy. The, yeah. um, but uh, no, I, it, I was getting ready for an event that I wanted to run for a long time, which was called the Bolt Action World Series, which was you show up at the event and all you bring are dice. Yep. Every army is on the table and all the armies are matched and between games, you move tables, and as a result, you move armies. So you play a different army every time. And it was my goal to have all of the armies to run that event. Um, and that I sounds did. Like a lot of armies. Yeah, yeah. yeah I ended up with. So you got, I up with you got close. Yeah, as I say, I, yeah. I heard a couple of your podcasts where you're talking. You kind of talked about this a while yes. back. It was I, a dream. Yes, and that you did have a significant number of armies. I. Yeah. I will say that I remember hearing about that, and I'm like, uh, that's brilliant. I, and I've actually thought similar, similarly, even when playing fantasy, that you know, if you want to play truly competitive, like if you want to see who's the better player in general, yes. you need to be able to switch armies. Like you need to be you able take to the, take the list out of their hands. Yeah, take yeah, take the list, yeah, build, out take the list build out yep. of their hands, and then also, you know, like you, like you said, you play. Okay, you bought, you made an Italian army. You bring an Italian army. Okay, well, I can win with it. Can you win with it? Like. Mm-hmm. You know, like flip flopping, even who plays which army is is shows you who is actually truly a better player. If that's something that people care about, and sometimes yeah. that's that you know some people do care about that. I personally, they do. I, I know I'm not the better player, so I'm just gonna just go and have fun. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like I I think that's just an interesting take on you know that's something that hasn't been explored. And what you were exploring was a really cool idea of like we've made two lists that are you know equally competitive to one another. Now can you guys make them work? the way you want, like the way they should. Can you be competitive without... I've run a dry run of that event. Okay. Which was, I believe it was six players, three tables. Okay. Um, And it went really, really well. And I I got feedback from 
local player slash member of the new Ghost Army, uh, Lee Avery, who's one of the most analytical, fun guys to play in bolt action that I've ever met. And he gave me some great feedback on how to make it work for the future. And I, in one of his big dot points was stop collecting armies yourself, you, you goober. Do yeah. uh, And of course he used different words there, but he said, <laughs> um, use, use the communities as well. And so that is, if, if I run that event and I'm hoping someday I will, that will be how I do it. Um, because yeah. I'm, I've, because I've sort of moved on and I'm not just playing bolt action anymore and because we're moving back into our apartment in the city, I don't necessarily have all the room in the world for all these armies. And so <laughs> I think I'm down to seven armies. Well, that's still probably so, like four more than... Still pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's and, four more than your average bear, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And two of them are patch specials, so Ooh, I indeed. absolutely cannot... Uh, yeah. Complain. One Andy Singleton, two Patch, and one Warlord to- Tobu. So I think I painted okay. the other three. Okay. Anyway. Well, if you do decide to hear that Patch one, I'll send you my address, and you can just email it. Over. You can just yeah. go ahead and mail it over to me. That'd be fine. <laughs> email the, email yeah, it over. I, I will never sell a Patch army. Sorry. No, I wasn't. I wasn't going to offer yeah. you money for it. No. <laughs> <laughs> just borrow it for a while. Yeah. No. Uh, I, I love Patch. Uh, we're old friends. There's no way. So. Okay. So so we've now covered all the podcasts you're on. We've now covered Sorry. all the... No, you know, dude, this is amazing. This is great. This is, you know, this is I stuff I can tell that you I'm, wanted to talk about this for a very long time, but didn't want to bother it with your own podcast. Well, yeah, so. it's hard to talk about this. kind of that stuff down. Well, and you can't do this on your own podcast, right? Like, that's that wouldn't be as exciting for, you know, I don't know. Yeah. You it's know just, how great I used to be? Well... <laughs> Well, that's just how it works. Yeah. So, so you've so you've been in a lot of lot of lot of podcasts. You've written a lot of great scenarios. Like honestly, some of the better ones. Like I, I know I know you didn't write scalps, but scalps has been around for you know that always gets brought up everywhere. Oh, it's a great mission. It is a great one, and you know, and quite honestly, a lot of the ones you've in Bolt Action Alliance have been. I've been at plenty of tournaments where you know, well, I guess I haven't been to that many tournaments, but almost always see at least one of them. At least nine. I was say you've yeah. been to quite a few. A, a fair number. To know. You've a, been to some. You've been to some terms. A fair number of them, but I almost always see at least one of your one of your scenarios show up somewhere yep. or in some fashion, right? Like I know where this came from at some point. Um, now, all that said, that sounds like a lot of time-consuming stuff, right there. Are you working on anything else? Are you working on a project? What is your What is your what is your thing that takes you away from this? This is this sounds like a job now more than a hobby, quite honestly. <laughs> right. Like, so do you do you have? Are you working on any like bolt action projects right now? I am. Uh, so my big behind the scenes project was helping Brian uh, to put out the new mission pack, which by the time this goes to air should be live, um, and you guys can share it. Hopefully, knock knock. Uh, sorry, nope. uh, hint hint. Um, <laughs> but uh, so. F- for me, because I have enough bolt action armies, um, I've been adding bits and pieces, and I sort of won my white whale a couple years ago. The last event I played in, I got the the one award I always wanted and never got, um, which was best painted. And so for me, that was uh, that was that was that was amazing, and I okay. haven't played in one since. And so. I took my time with that army. It took me years. People made fun of me for taking so long on that army. Um, but, you know, it was it was all white snowsuit army. It took oh, a very long time cool. to paint. Oh, and I would, I would paint a lot of things in the meantime because it was soul-destroying. 
So <laughs> white is white is a really hard color to get right it, for sure. So, yeah. Ironically, now it's one of my favorites because I've been doing it for so long. Well, because you can probably uh, do it well if if you can do it well, it's not frustrating anymore. Yeah. Well, I so I went down a weird path, and I was a what got me into toy soldiers as a kid, uh, and I will talk about this on my podcast often on ad nauseum was GI Joe. I I love. Yep. Sure. In '82, I was around when the first GI Joe comic book came out, and when the initial toys came out, the first wave, so to speak. And so I ended up playing with GI Joe toys, collecting them rather obsessively, which you know, personality-wise, go figure. Um, and then reading the comic books religiously for years and years and years and years. And then when I moved to Japan and I wasn't able to get the toys anymore and I'd outgrown them, I still read the comic books because I was able to go to U.S. military bases and get access to you know the, the bookstore. So I read the comics forever. And so a couple years ago... I discovered um, that somebody made a 3D print file of a hiss tank on Shapeways. And Ooh. I went, oh my God, I don't know what I'm going to use this for. I'm but I need to have it. it. <laughs> yeah, okay, and ahead. I got it. And <laughs> then I got, I found a vamp and I, a Jeep and I got that. And then I found out that there was a Fang helicopter and I got that. And then somewhere in there, along the way, I discovered that there is a whole subgenre of G.I. Joe 156 scale players. Uh, not necessarily bolt action, but various game systems. Okay. And there's a community, a very small but passionate community for this. And I got hooked. And ever since then, I have been collecting, um, squirreling away, because bits are bits and pieces are hard to come by sometimes and expensive. But I've been squirreling away for years and years and years. And now I have a massive patch painted cobra army um a full platoon of cobra troopers half a platoon of crimson guard cobra commander three versions um the crimson twins multiple hiss tanks uh and and, and now they're all themed because they have masks on right yeah it's amen right yes uh yeah i was wearing a cobra shirt and i was wearing my black face mask because in melbourne you have to these days right and i was out on the street and people and i I posted a picture and sent it to friends uh because they were asking what the weather was like and then they went what are you cosplaying and i went no this is just how i dress (laughs) Um, this is just getting i'm just going to the grocery store why (laughs) yeah so at the moment i'm painting the gi joe team uh, in 156 scale, using various heads and largely warlord plastic bodies. That sounds like fun. Uh, oh, interesting. It, yeah. So, I have I have a massive cobra army, uh, and I've just added more to it. I just have to paint it, and um, the paint matching pat's hard. Patch is hard. Um, I, I can't imagine. We, talk about soul crushing. <laughs> yeah, talk about first world problems. And <laughs> yes. then, uh, but no, I'm I'm. T- 12 models into my G.I. Joe project. Damn, uh, dude. And it's every guy is the, a different color. But just because <laughs> I'm a, a, uh, a glutton for punishment, I'm doing them in winter gear. So every guy's wearing a white jumper. Okay. Um, a, white, a white jacket with all the other colors. So it's taking me a long time. But I do have – I have a painted white-chipped Mauler, Mobat, uh, two APCs. Uh, yeah. You name it, I got it. I'm, and that's my that's my passion and has been for a while. But I have recently, and just to quickly close out on this, um, I t- one of my white whales 
was my Finns. For years, it was the white suit army, and mm-hmm. I've been using them as Soviets for a while. But I really wanted to run a particular Finn army because I read an article um, way back when about how the Finns ran side-by-side T-28s. Uh, and I wanted to run two unreliable, because of the <laughs> Finn rules, T-28s side-by-side in a Finn list. But I didn't want to be that guy. And then I lost the reference, and it was just a throwaway line. I couldn't find any historical backup to it. Okay. And every six months or so, I, I take another look at a couple of things, you know, just if I'm bored and I have a phone and I'm waiting for something. And Friday night, I was uh, hanging out with my dog and who needed to calm down because he was he's old. And uh, I happened to Google search... And I found not just a historical reference, but I found the specific dates, battles, and units that were in that army. Oh, wow. And so now, all of a sudden, on this weekend, I've dug out all my unpainted Finn models to finish the army. And I've pulled out my second Trenchworks T-28 model from my closet. And I'm back to painting white. (laughs) Sounds That's like, like a full circle thing. Yeah, you sound like, yeah. well, every project you just talked about had white in it, other than the Cobra Army, but you didn't patch paint it out. <clears> like... There may be white models in there, too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Everything's got white models. Okay. Snow Serpents, Star- yeah, Storm fair. Shadow, I'm just yep. saying. Yeah, yeah. Right. I was going to say, there is at least, at least one guy in a white outfit, yeah. Hey, I was at least Storm Shadow uh, for Halloween once when I was a kid, so. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> Dude, I, I was never that cool. I got, like, whatever, like... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Oh, you, you yeah. see that? You see the pictures and the, the not pulling it off is all I'll say there. Yeah. You know, well, like, it, you know. I think it was a California raisin one year. I was like, "What the fuck is this about?" Like, <laughs> really? Wow, you had some mean parents. <laughs> yeah, they were like, like "I heard it on the great." I'm, I'm guessing I may have picked it on accident. I, don't, I have no idea. I probably was responsible for that shitty outfit too. So, just saying. Well. You you yeah. you got a cool project. I mean, fins are always a good choice too. Not going to say like, like well, it's they're the fins with no Panzerfausts, no CC, no dude. Carpaccio. It's it's literally just continuation war squads. Um, okay, and Jakari because that is what were there. That sure. was a Jakari mixed troop, uh, Jakari unit fighting uh, alongside um, a, a fin heavy armor unit which was literally two t28s that they had four but only two of them would turn on because it was <laughs> i think minus 30 degrees oh that um, makes sense all right yeah and, and it so, doesn't matter if it's celsius or fahrenheit at that point no right but <laughs> a lot of my cold. so my my fins were always winter war but um the the fins didn't really use t28s in the winter war because they captured them in the winter war sure uh, at least the first two but then when they were using them later on, usually they were wearing summer uniforms, the, their non-snowsuits. But this battle, they are wearing the full fin, you know, you know, winter onesie slash uh, rocking alongside two T-28s. So are you, are you I'm looking skis on them? Yeah. Plus, I have a painted Komsomolets uh, and uh, B, BA-10. Um, the okay. really crappy light machine gun armored car, uh, also unreliable, I might add. Um, but all BA-10? of those I oh, have painted, and all of them were in that force. Okay. So it's my it's my dream unicorn army, and so I'm very excited about that. Anyway, uh, that's cool. 
That not Cobra versus GI Joe. That would be my unicorn army. That's I just went and looked. I had to look to see what like what one fifty six scale is for GI Joe. It's so it's hard to find for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I know what scale it is. Yeah, I'm just looking. I was. I wanted to go look at models, find models. Yeah, see what happens when you come to a tournament and you put you put down your Cobra army and go. I'm Italians. Uh, Germans. Is that, is that the weirdest rifles. thing I've ever seen sure. in a tournament? Yeah. No, not even close. True. Well, no. yeah. Uh, I saw someone had like bed knobs and broomsticks theme, and I'm just like, <laughs> for for both action. I mean, like, it's a cool idea, uh, but like, I yeah. think it's awesome if you've seen the movie. But for someone who never saw the movie, I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> right. Angela Lansbury's your general, man. Don't even worry about it. She's Dude, gonna she's... drop that artillery strike on you. Right, she's flying around on a bed too. Doesn't she... murder she wrote? I guess. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> much more earlier than murder she wrote. I will say, but yep. yeah, because doesn't she like raise a whole army of armor and like she does? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Take the Germans. Hashtag necromancy. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> There's no bodies in there. It was just the just the suits of armor. Oh, right. Yeah, right? it was awesome. As a That's kid. what my parents told me. There's no bodies in there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, man. So that's that's what kind of I've been up to. That's yeah. that is those are all epic endeavors. Uh, so I don't even know where to end this because you've just blown my mind as far as like I'm still I'm still stuck <laughs> on the GI Joe army right now. Quite honestly, I'm still <laughs> like I'm like why how do why did I not think of that idea? That sounds amazing. Like, but they have it to shoot lasers. Until I figured out the models existed, and then it right? turned into how do I get this? How do I get that? I finished my Cobra Rattler the other day. Okay, um, dude, it's oh. it's amazing. Well, it's and a it, lot of fun, and it fits me perfectly because none of my dice ever hit anything. So right, like mm-hmm. I'm perfect army. I'm like, I'm just, I'm just stormtroopers. Oh, there's that too. I could play Legion if yeah. I really wanted to, like show that my dice suck. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> white dice are a thing. <laughs> Well, Brad, so we, we, we're excited to hear that Ghost Army's coming back. Um, I'm looking forward to the packet. We will share both of them as much as we are allowed to. You might tell us to stop at some point. Um, <laughs> nah, man. Just come <laughs> hang out. It's cool. You no. just got to get on an airplane and get into Australia these days. We've been put in the corner and told to... We are in the corner. That's yeah, we are definitely in the corner. Nobody else in the corner. We're in the corner. Anyway, well, guys, Pat will cut all that out for having me on. I I am prone to prattling, uh, and I'm sorry that I did, but it has been it has been great reliving some memories on here. I hope I haven't forgotten anyone from the old uh, from my rundown of the old days. Um, If if I have, I'm really sorry. Um, Please let me know, and I will I will make sure that I uh, say on the next show, cast ice repeatedly that I messed that up. But um, I think I think I got most of the major players in the original uh, cast ice. Yeah, so I think good. Uh, yeah, WWPD, I should say. Uh, I've been saying cast ice too much. Uh, BoltAction.net. But yeah, yeah if you are looking for if you're looking for online content, go to Facebook. Go to Bolt Action Alliance. Um, that's Patch, Brian, Casey, and Seamus's work. It is amazing. It is the best. Uh, content out there and I say that not being a part of it please check it out Um, and Ghost Army Podcast will be back if you're having trouble finding it on iTunes we're having trouble with the name because it's just the name of the network that comes up but look for Cast Dice C-A-S-T-D-I-C-E and if you go back through um, there's 27 episodes of 
the Warlord cast, there's 100 episodes of Cast Ice, and I think at this point there's two to three episodes of Ghost Army on there. Um, hopefully a brand new one within uh, a short time of this going to air. So, yes, plenty of content for you to listen to. Wonderful. It's certainly awesome. fill your hobby time. Right. And your drive time, if you get to do that. Just don't, just don't forget about us when these guys come back and kick our butt as far as cool stuff to talk about. Hey, guys, I know I've probably said enough on this podcast enough today already, but I just want to take a second to, to say that I, I know that when talking today, it probably sounds like I'm saying that I, I did a lot. And I guess I did do a lot of podcasting over the years as part of WWPD and BoltAction.net, but I, I was only one of many. I was I was part of the collective, and there were so many guys who were part of that organization that put countless uh, hours and dollars in out of their own pocket to to make that work. And it was it wasn't a job. It was it was just a it was a passion project. It was uh, it was done out of love for the game and what later became the bolt action community slash what was the bolt action community at that part. And I, I think it's really important that uh, I acknowledge the the, the countless hours uh, and effort that were put in by guys like. Patch, Brian, Anthony, Craig, Baxter, Seabax, uh, Judson, Dano, Dave of War, Lachlan, Tobu, the, the, the Bacon Burgers guys, Tristan, uh, and his crew, uh, and just all the guys, and I'm sure I'm forgetting someone who just puts so much time and effort in to the collective that made it possible. I mean, even Steve, I talked about what a Flames of War player he was, but without him, it never would have existed in the first place, and he was writing articles in the early days as well. So I guess, yes, I was part of a group, and that group was something special to me, and I have many lasting friendships today across the world because of it, and uh, I'm, I'm proud to be a part of that. Anyway, oh please! Thank you again, Brad. <laughs> this I know it's not how it works. We appreciate it very much. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, maybe you'll join us for the hundredth episode. Maybe sooner. Who knows? I would love that. Yeah. All right, and guys. Thank you so much, and keep doing what you're doing. Uh, there, there are not as many bolt action podcasts out there these days, and you guys have been carrying the torch through um, through a time when there just haven't been. So, thank you for your consistency, and please keep it up because I listen and I love it. I appreciate it. Thank you. There we go. We're up to like three. (laughs) Boom. Three listeners. All right. Sweet. All right. We've made it big. If I can get my mom back, we'd be at four. (laughs) Yeah, my mom said we use too much bad language. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just Mm -hmm. not. Yeah. No, it just doesn't work anymore. All right. Uh, My mom has never listened to any of the podcasts I've done, so there you go. Um, I'm being very facetious. My mother doesn't know what podcasts are, so. Yeah, no. Yeah. No, mine does. She just won't listen to me. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's, well, that's another story for another podcast, I'm sure. All right. (laughs) Pat, you want to lead us out? Sure. This is Snafu. Over and out. Bye, guys. All right. Very nice. See ya. Thanks again. And. Some people say he's just a crazy guy To me, he means a million other things For he's the one who taught this happy heart of mine to fly 
Amateur hour. <laughs> oh. Always something. Right? That's I always right. say something witty and then I try and say it again later and it never works. There's two units in there that don't specify how you can actually play them even in that book. <laughs> so, right. They like didn't include right, all just, of them. Anyway. Just kind of gave up on the writing. Like, mm. <laughs> So that's the project I'm undertaking. Sweet. So uh, we'll, be, we'll be having some homework and I'll be hoping, we'll be asking you guys. Your thoughts, like kind of like conversation you're having about the what's that unit from Western Desert, the Scherzen Squad? The, the Scherzen Squad, yeah, yeah. The everyone gets a free LMG. Yeah, I mean it's if it's the only thing that the fucking Germans get, that I'm for it. But the worry I have with that unit is that you would see nothing but those if you you allow them. And I think that's something you have to oh, yeah. take into consideration. Anyway, yep. this is all stuff we probably talk about in the podcast, right? Right, we can. So that was, uh, that was just giving time for you guys to get the new email and see that was in there. I, so when I opened the new email...